Blog Talk Radio. This calls for a victory tune. Now, a woman who kisses on the very first date is usually a hussy. And a woman who kisses on the second time out is anything but fussy. But a woman who'll wait till the third time around, head in the clouds, feet on the ground. She's the girl he's glad he's found. She's his shaboopy, 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 shaboopy. The girl's hard to get. Shaboopy, shaboopy, shaboopy. But you can win her yet. Walk around once just to raise the curtain. Walk around twice and you make for certain. Once more in a flower garden, she will never get sore if you beg her pardon. The ringing bell for Squeeze her once when she isn't looking. Get a squeeze back, that's fancy cooking. Once more for a pepper up, but she will never get sore on the way to supper. The ringing bell for Now, little sales are no girls anyone could see. Look at her now, she's a go girl who only goes for me. Squeeze her once when she is a looking. Get a squeeze back, that's fancy cooking. Once more for a pepper of it, she will never get sore on the way to shove it. Don't make me fuck, so let me go. Shaboopy, shaboopy, shaboopy. But Show up. 
start here. After week one, any take out the Patriot Homer that we both are, to the point where I'm doing this show wearing like a plush Patriots helmet. Um, I'll tweet the picture later. Week one, after that Miami debacle in the second half, were you starting to think like, oh shit, this is going to be another one of those years? Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't say that I you know, envisioned what happened yesterday happening throughout the season just because the offensive line was a mess. That was pretty evident early on. You know, we had Jordan Debbie, for God's sake, that right guard, and that was just plain awful. You know, we still didn't know what Gronk was really going to be, even though he had, you know, recovered, so to speak, from uh, from just a devastating injury. Uh, you know, Amendola was kind of here and there, so – and obviously I thought the defense was going to play a lot better in week one, and they got uh, torched by the Dolphins of all people. So, you know, between that and then eventually with the KC game, you know, definitely had moments where I thought that maybe this was kind of it. Not not so much on Brady. I just wasn't quite sure that the offensive line and the weapons were going to be enough around him. But, you know, you can't factor in, you know, a guy like LeGarrette Blunt suddenly uh, walking his way out of town and coming right back to where he belongs. Um, you know, having Gronkowski – stay healthy for an entire season. You know, these are things that you can't really predict, but uh, ultimately things kind of just work themselves out. Got a couple key contributions, some really solid signings uh, mid-season, and, of course, the Akeem Ayers trade. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of something that got overlooked last night was uh, the contributions of some of these guys that Bill Belichick brought in. Um, along with Nick Casario, i say he has a hand in it. You know, guys like Jonathan Casillas, Alan Branch, uh, you know, Saliga, all these kind of guys that are – you know, sort of bottom end of the roster guys, but definitely made valuable contributions. I think overall that's what we really saw this season was no matter if you were the top guy on the roster or number 53 or if you were on the practice squad and fluctuating in between, everyone contributed to this victory. And that's why I think it tastes so sweet this year is that it was just a complete team victory. And uh, it was just great to see Brady and Belichick finally get that because I think we could all say after that uh, Jermaine curse catch, it it looked pretty bad and uh, it, 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 I just lost it from there. I, I was like, it can, it, this cannot happen again for the third time. The, the best is we probably haven't texted during a game nearly as much as we had in years past. But I, at one point, right, right after they scored the touchdown, they go ahead, I sent you the text. I said, this can, I, I've seen this movie already. Yep. And God damn did I see this movie already. And I'm going up. And, and then Curse makes the play. And I think we at the same exact time said, off. Oh, Fuck, not again. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I now know, and I'm not even a Red Sox fan. I now know what Red Sox fans felt like in 75 or 76 and in 86. I knew, and, and 03. I now know how you Red Sox fans felt. <laughs> this was no fun for us. Yeah, it just makes you sick to your stomach. I mean, it was just... I mean, I thought they actually, you know, things were going well. I mean, they had made a couple of nice pass breakups. I'm like, all right, all right, we're going to hold this one out. And, you know, obviously I think everyone, when that when that play to curse first happened, we all assumed it was incomplete. And then, you know, they kind of stop and show the replay, and they show that he actually caught it. And I was in a room full of, I would say, split between Patriots fans and uh, basically everyone that hated us. And I, all of us as Patriots fans just look at each other, and I'm just losing my shit. I'm ready to throw things, break things. You know, I just got a brand-new laptop. I'm like, you know, it might be time to get another one because I just could not believe it. And, you know, 
you know, the play call, obviously, they shot themselves in the foot, and, you know, Pete Carroll cannot be forgiven um, in Seattle for that. But, you know, the, I think the way – I mean, from there, I pretty much thought the game was over. And uh, and the way things turned out at the end, I just, just incredible luck. But, you know, for a moment there, I just – I was kind of uh, accepting the fact that I will never see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl again. And uh, I'm glad that I was proven wrong. I, I, I'll say this. As a you know, a guy who lives in New Jersey, who dates a Giants fan, whose dad has Giants season tickets, I don't know which one I was going to live down more. Like, I've come to, like, the realization that those – let me read this text to you, that, that I got from a Giants fan friend of mine who rarely ever texts me anymore. And it was uh, – what the fuck is it? Boy, you did, did you get lucky yesterday. What? That coming from a Giants fan? Like, shut the fuck up. At what point do you just sit there and go, you know, you guys probably should have had three of these. Or... Like, my – I could not believe they were at the point again. You know, like – and then, like, people are killing. Butler made the great play in the end zone. Let's not take that away from him. He made the play of the game getting up and realizing that Curzon caught the fucking ball. Yeah, because uh, apparently Duran Harmon, uh, the Rutgers star, didn't think to uh, finish that play and jumped over them and went out of bounds. So, if uh, you know, if Butler didn't have his head on a swivel, Curse is literally getting up. Walking into walking the end, in the end for a touchdown. Yep. But Ball I'll say this. The way these games are called now killed the run harmer for jumping over. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. Like, in the speed of the moment, right, like we can say whatever we want now. In the speed of the moment, I can't kill him for jumping over him. Because if he takes this, like, never. He doesn't know the ball's not hit the ground yet. If he goes and lambastes them, it's 15 yards. And it's just the way the NFL started to be called to the point of we're at that point where we go, do you want to hit somebody? And my answer is no. I wouldn't have hit him. Because you can't hit him at that point, right? Especially not in that body position that he was on the ground. I mean, they're going to call you for targeting or spearing or something like hell with the helmet. It's just it was an impossible angle for him, you know, and uh, as much as I I would like to fault him for not finishing that play, I mean, they could have very easily added another 15 yards automatically on there, and, uh, you know, that could have changed the course of the game as well. Somebody, this is another thing that was sent to me last night. Nancy, I don't can't move the ball unless you guys get a penalty. They couldn't. You look at the, the two – big plays in the first half that got him to 14 were our fault. You know, of course, Brandon Browner gets a penalty penalty. You know, like, Brandon Browner getting a holding penalty is like Tweeter drinking beer because that's what Tweeter does. But you, you go over the whole game. Brady wasn't great at times. Times he was. This was reminiscent of Super Bowl 36 to me. And at the yep, point yeah. where he just 
you know, hey, you take what they give you. Yeah, no, I think he played uh, – if, if I had to grade his first three quarters, you know, Tom Brady, I'd probably put maybe – what would you say, maybe a B-minus, something around there. You know, that first interception was absolutely critical. I thought that was going to end up costing the game, even though it was so early on. They just can't afford to give away points against a team like that. You don't know – you don't, you know, we don't know. Can't that time. I had one in three in my freaking pool. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't know that – that uh, they're going to be able to move the ball as as well as they did for a good stretch there until the third quarter where they just fell asleep and couldn't do anything. But uh, that that you know we're kind of used to seeing Tom as of lately. I would say this year and maybe last year he kind of makes a boneheaded interception near the end of the first half usually, and he does it on you know our second drive. And I'm just like, oh god, you know here we go. And and, and Michael Bennett is eating up the interior offensive line. I'm like, you know this is literally the same exact thing that happened. Uh, with Justin Tuck killing us in two Super Bowls, you know. And then you see things happen where, you know, they get on the board, Seattle ties it up, Seattle takes a lead, we storm back. I'm like, you know what, this is just a, a story that's all too familiar, just like you said. We've seen it before. You know, Brady does play his ass off in the fourth quarter. They get some lucky breaks. Uh, you know, the playmakers step still. Like you said, it's just a story that I thought was going to end how we've been accustomed to seeing it end, which is in heartbreak. Because Seattle still had time, you know, they were driving, they get a big play, and it's uh, it's just crazy. But I think Brady, you know, deservingly wins the MVP just because of how he played in the fourth quarter. But I think there were so many guys that contributed. I think Julian Edelman played a hell of a game, you know, concussed or not. I don't know if he really was. Sure looked like it to me. Played a hell he of a game. He looked fine in Disneyland today. Yeah, he look, he, he's looking good, by the way. A very nice beard, I have to say. I'm very impressed. A little jealous, actually, but uh, I think he played a hell of a I'm game. Jealous of all you it's guys, that girl, full beard. Don't start. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, I think it's, I, I think it's just truly amazing to think that, you know, the last time they were in a Super Bowl, I tweeted it out during the week. The last time they were in a Super Bowl, Julian Edelman was playing cornerback for them. I mean, the guy, mm-hmm. the way he's just developed over the past few years is just amazing. You know, even a guy like Danny Amendola made a few key plays. You know, Shane Vereen, a guy that I've never felt has really lived up to uh, expectations. They needed every one of those 11 catches that he had, especially on in the fourth quarter. I mean, those were some clutch plays that he had, that one-handed snag that he made. I don't. I think if he misses that, that's an interception right there. Um, and he and I think that, you know, all the guys on offense stepped up equally. And, and Brady, you know, I think it was a little bit because of the history uh, behind it. But, uh, you know, it was nice to see him finally perform in the clutch because I think, to be quite honest, and I think you might agree with me, Tom Brady has not been a clutch quarterback as much in recent years, especially in the playoffs. You know, he's had opportunities, and he's kind of let us down a little bit. We're obviously spoiled by how well he's played over the years, but I think it was just very fitting for him to beat the best defense in the NFL in that type of fashion uh, and, you know, get ring number four. And you know what? The way he's playing, the way this team is built, being the youngest team to ever win a Super Bowl with an average age, I believe, just over 25 years old, there's no reason to think that this team can't be back there next year. Yeah, I think keeping Revis is the key to that. But, you know, no, I, I, I agree with you, but I disagree with you on the Brady thing. Let's not forget, the last two Super Bowls, the last time they had a drive that wasn't like, you know, everything desperation, let's not forget they did score two touchdowns. The two giant games, the defense is what let them down. And my good buddy Andy Gress texted it, right? 
tweeted it right after right after they scored. This is why you spent the money on the defense. Oh boy. That first play, like I don't know why I, I understand why Jamie Collins is on Marshawn Lynch, but at that point don't you throw Kyle Arrington on him? Who's been much maligned on this show? I mean, there's been no Patriot more maligned on this show than Kyle Arrington. To the point where I still don't know why the hell he got a contract extension. <clears throat> but the one thing I look at with this team and going forward is how much longer does the coach and quarterback want to do this? I know what Brady says, but at some point, don't you want to be like, and, and I'm not saying it like because he's a bad father, because absolutely you can just tell you. But at what point does he just want to say, you know what, fuck this, I want to bang Giselle every night. I don't want to go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's uh, it's tough to see because I think Belichick, you know, football is his life. There is nothing else to him besides the game, and I think he wants to keep moving up the ranks as far as, you know, uh, all-time wins, all that type of stuff. I agree with you that Brady's motivation is still there to win. I think that was evident this year in that game, throughout the season, all the adversity they faced. But, I mean, you can even see, you know, we've talked about this before, not only us, but, you know, other just media outlets, you know, kind of looking at how he's changed over the years from when he first came into the league and he was always at the facility. You know, football was his life. He was a six-round pick that, you know, was trying to make it, thought he deserved better, wins a few Super Bowls early on, always was driven. And then, obviously, his life kind of transitioned as he grew up, uh, rightfully so. You know, he gets married. He has kids. He's, uh, you know, a superstar now. He's in the spotlight. And eventually, I'm not saying that, you know, winning his fourth Super Bowl does means less to him than winning the first three or, you know, he has no motivation to win another one at this point. But I agree with you. You get you reach a point in time, I think, for any athlete, not just for a guy of Tom Brady's stature, where eventually you have other things in your life that take, you know, precedence uh, over football, over sport, whatever sport you play. And I think eventually that Brady is going to see that kind of window closing as far as, you know, I can win a fifth ring or I can win a sixth ring. But these are years of your kid's life, years that you can have with your wife that you just can't trade. Uh, not to say that I think he's going to retire anytime soon. I don't think he's going to walk off into the sunset by any means. But the whole concept of him playing till he's, you know, in his mid-40s or anything like that, I, I don't see that happening. I think he's got maybe another two years or so in New England, um, you know, and I think from there I, I'm not quite sure if he'll just retire on his own or whether they get rid of him, but – I don't think he's going to be around as long as everyone kind of thinks or even what he thinks or if that's really what he thinks uh, or if he's just saying that for the cameras. But, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's awesome that he got his fourth ring because I think he's absolutely deserving of it through everything he's been through, uh, you know, in the past ten years since he won last. But uh, I don't think he's going to be around for more than two years, in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing, like, you know, is that, you know, everybody makes – big out of his dad it's like been re- like every time you see it it's like it's nothing new this is an old story where his dad said you know of course I see it ending badly you know it, it's the nature of the business I don't see Robert Kraft letting it end badly like I think that's the one time he steps up to Bill and goes no he stays here until he's ready to go 
Because I honestly can't see Robert Kraft saying, I don't want the franchise here. You know, like, I, I, can't, I can't see it. Start, you know, hey, Tom, you know, start the five-year clock. We can't wait to put you in the red jacket. We won't even put it to a fan vote. <laughs> Just the day he retires, here's your red jacket. And we'll wait for five years for you to get the gold jacket. But a guy like Danny Amendola, much maligned. Beginning of the year, it was it was JoJo LaFell, much maligned in the Boston media, basically on the Brady Spinach Show or the Brady and the Klein Show, you know, that went from two to six on the Sports Hub. Um, there's a huge part of me that sits there and says this guy plays as long as he wants to. And I don't think he goes down like Favre. I don't think he goes down like Tatum Manning is doing right now. So if you think this uh, this game happens two years from now uh, and he wins the Super Bowl, you know, let's say two years from now, do you think he just uh, walks off into the sunset or does he, do you think he still keeps playing? I think he gets the fifth and is done. I think he gets past Montana. I think he just stops everything with the whole greatest ever, which he already is. But he shuts everybody up. Yeah. I agree. I think I think that record does matter to him, uh, breaking Montana. And I, I personally think that that's kind of what he's shooting for now. And like I said, I don't see any reason why they can't be back there this year or the next year. And uh, I think he's going to get one more crack at it. And uh, hopefully it turns out the same way. But uh, I don't I don't think it's going to be five years uh, where he calls it quits. I think it's going to be within the next two or three years. But I think they're definitely going to have another chance to, uh, to win another Super Bowl. Um, just because as we saw last night, a lot of the guys that contributed are guys that are just in the prime of their careers. I mean, Gronkowski, Edelman, um, Vereen, guys like that on the defense. Obviously, like you said, bringing back Darrell Revis is priority number one, two, and three. There is no way they can let that guy go. That secondary, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about him in that game, but that's because he basically to. took took Doug Baldwin out of the game. You didn't hear from Revis, you didn't hear from Baldwin. That's fine. The guy that beat them was their fourth or fifth option who was going up against our third or fourth corner. And they're going to live with that matchup, and, and and I think Belichick would have would take that, you know, ten times out of ten for their fourth option to beat them. But because they took away Baldwin, they took away Curse for the most part. Their tight end, who some people thought was going to be an X factor in this game, Luke Wilson, literally didn't hear a peep from him. Didn't get targeted once. Wasn't didn't catch a ball. Didn't hear from him. I mean, Marshawn Lynch didn't really dominate that game. I mean, I think they did a decent job against him. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, for the most part, they kept him contained in the pocket. But, again, all that stems from the fact that Darrell Revis can take out your team's best option. You know, they got to bring him back. they got to bring McCourty back, in my opinion, as well. Uh, not sure how they're going to do both of those things. I think, you know, possibly franchising McCourty could be an option just because it's probably cheaper. But I think it all Real easy. Wrong. Yep. The quarterback's going to make it happen. Yep. He's good. Like, he's just going to, like, they're going to go to him and go, okay, what can we do? Uh, make me a part owner. Okay. You know, like, at, at what point do you sit there and just stop? Like, you know, had they not won running back to Brady every year for, you know, hey, Tom, we need a couple extra bucks. All right. Cool. Whatever. But, and that's, I think, the thing that gets lost on everybody is how great 
of a guy he did his organization. You know, here's a guy who rightfully, and I don't think me and you would even complain if he did, said, I want to break the bank. But he hasn't because he knows what is going on. I think I thought bringing back Edelman last year was was the coup de grace because I'm like you can't take away this guy's safety net again. Stephen Ridley had a Troy Brown like Super Bowl. You know, um, this entire thing, this entire season, unbelievable. In in the fact of you go back to week. Four when Trent Dilfer is saying they're done, they're not good anymore, and you got to give him credit because of the, all the ESPN talking heads, he's the one that ate the crow, and he's the one that stuck up for you in the midst of all this stupid deflate game mess. When I don't, like, I've been proud of this team in years past. I was really proud of this team last year because they had no reason getting to where they did. I may be more proud of this team than I've been of any other team. And proud to say I'm a Patriot fan. And, and, you know what? Fine. You know, you want to call us cheaters, New York Post, Daily News, call us cheaters. That's fine. But hate is going to hate. Yeah, and I think there's uh, there's no better way to uh, kind of sum up how we feel about this team and how proud we are than to just watch how Seattle was at the end of that game, you know, starting fight, you know, it's not reflective of the entire team, you know, it's not like everyone got in a fight, but I just feel that no matter what's ever happened with the Patriots, no matter what scandals they're involved in or what's thrown at them or, you know, what adversity they face on or off the field, they handle things with class, and I think that starts from the top down. Robert Kraft, the best owner in the NFL, you know, Bill Belichick, say what you want about him, but I still think that he deals with things in a professional manner, even though, you know, the media might disagree. Uh, Tom Brady is a guy that handles things in class. You know, to see the Seahawks just start throwing punches and trying to take, you know, Gronk out and all this kind of stuff, it's just a lack of sportsmanship, a lack of professionalism. And I don't see how you could be – and I was listening to uh, to one of the radio shows today, and they're just saying, you know, how can you really cheer for guys like Marshawn Lynch, the way he acts, you know, off the field, you know, as far as his maturity. Or, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman who's, you know, boasting for the cameras and the game's not even over, you know. It's just like in the second quarter after Brady – or first quarter after Brady throws a, a pick or something like that. And it's like, you know, there's no one on the Patriots you can really hate. Maybe Bill Belichick, you know, just because of how he is. But for for all of us, I mean, I think it's so easy to love this team because there are guys that you could that you can sympathize with or empathize with. You know, Julian Edelman is a guy that – you know, was a quarterback in college. He's an undersized guy, playing his ass off, taking hits. You know, Tom Brady's story has been written before. Malcolm Butler, a guy that came out of nowhere to make this team, comes up with a huge play. I mean, you got guys like, you know, Silver Saliga or, you know, Chris Jones, guys that no one wanted that make big plays. You know, then you have a guy like Vince Wilfork who's done so much for the community. I mean, that's a storyline that's been overlooked, in my opinion, all year. Yes, he hasn't been the dominant force that he has been, you know, in years past. But the fact that he actually came back to New England on that contract restructure, I think he played every game this year. I thought he had a hell of a game yesterday. I thought he was tremendous. Uh, and I think it's great to see a guy like that win a Super Bowl for everything he's done here. I mean, there's just a – and Gronk – I mean, obviously Gronk. I mean, he's just a man. 
And you have to be happy yeah. for a kid like that who's come back uh, from so many injuries and just has had an all-around dominant year. I just think there's that there's no one on that team that you can't root for, even a guy like Darrell Rivas, who people criticize him for always running after the money uh, and that kind of thing. I mean, he's a guy that came Bart. here, put his ego aside, played a, hell, played a hell of a season, and helped his team win a championship. And, and let's not forget this. When you look at a guy like Darrell Rivas, yeah, the league is set up the way where these guys have to take, you know, go for the money because it's just the way it is. You know, you can't sit there and say, well, I got no, you know, in this day and age in the NFL, you've got to be able to go get the money when you can. You know, your, your lifespan in the NFL isn't long enough. Kudos for him. I mean, really, kudos for him because when you look at everything and you look at the way this Patriots team is and, and, and you know, we're probably, you know, we're homers and we're okay with it. But this whole team, even Gronk, you know, as you know, goofy as he acts and the sinners bust and all that stuff, the kid lives to play football. And I, I would take eight, I would take 53 Rob Gronkowski's on my team because the kid's a football player. You know, every guy in this team, you look at and you go, man, you know, ask a fan of another team, who would you not take on the Patriots? They're winners. And Darrell Revis, yeah, we didn't like him as a Jet because he wasn't one of ours. I mean, he was, you know, he, you know, he like Wes Welker when he was a Dolphin. Killed us. You know, when he came here, he was great. Now he's gone, F him. Um the way all this goes, the way this season goes, kudos to them. What a great way to end it. Because, you know, I, I still sway the guy. The football got filed on us once. But if you're Pete Carroll, how do you take it away from the Pats? Because we know how, and I heard Heath Evans saying this on, on NFL Network just now. 18-1 and one killed those guys for the next year. How does this go? I mean, you look at a Patriot team that's been the four straight AFC championships, lost two in a row. But you still got the four straight AFC championship team. And, and now you've won a Super Bowl. And, and you've now won four Super Bowls. You know, and, and people are saying, well, you know, Brady could be 3-3. Three and three. He also could be 6-0. and oh. That's the thing everybody forgets. I mean, we're literally a couple in like impossible catches away from being six and zero in the Super Bowl under Brady and Belichick. It's 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 sure. fingertips, literally fingertips away. And uh, you and know, how much would people hate us if we had six? I I agree, and uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know how the Seahawks fans or even their own players can can look at Pete Carroll the same way anymore because. Ultimately, I mean, that responsibility is on the head coach. You know, Daryl Bevel obviously made if – it, if it was him that made the play call, it's still something Pete Carroll had to, you know, approve of or whatever. I mean, that's – that to me, I mean, I'm not going to say that we got lucky. I mean, yes, maybe we did, but they should have had that. at the, In the field no, position they were at at that point in the game, they should have yeah. had that. But I'll say this, and this is why I don't buy that we got lucky stuff. Because big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Everybody in the Patriots is a big-time player. And it was a big-time play made. The play was made. Russell Wilson didn't make the play. 
Darius Butler made the play. Yep, and, and I think I have the way I have to end this because uh, i got to get running is exactly what Bill Belichick says time and time again. We think it's old. We think it's overused. But you know what? On that one play, it proved everything right. Everyone did their job. Everyone mm-hmm. did their job. If you look at that play, if you look at replays of it, Brandon Browner made that play happen as well, jamming Jermaine Curse off the line. That allowed Malcolm Butler to kind of jump that route. He did his job. And I think that's just what it come, came down to is in the in the big moments, like you said, everyone did their job. The offensive line protected Brady in the fourth quarter. Receivers didn't drop balls. You know, they picked up yards after catch. The defense came up with some big stops in the fourth quarter just to get the Patriots in that position in the first place. Um, and I think that's what it all came down to is everyone is part of a team, a part of a bigger unit. No one is bigger than that team. And I think that's what made the difference, and that's why the Patriots are Super Bowl champions again. David, it was too long. It really was too long. Well, it has been. It's, it, you're, you're, you're a familiar voice that I have not heard in a while. I think we're going to have to start doing this a little more often again. Well, uh, you know, now that I have, like, Monday nights off, we, we, we should start <laughs> doing this once in a while. Uh, but good hearing from you. you your article on FanRag today, phenomenal. Go to FanRagSports.com and, and check out Stephen's writing because he does a great job all year. Uh, reconvene after the combine before the draft sometime? Yes. Uh, the next time we speak, we are on to the draft. All right, Floyd, good talking to you. And um, I think it's only fitting to, uh, yeah. (laughs) You too, my friend. You have a great...
kids, welcome back to the George Bruce Show, our sixth anniversary episode. And, and if you had told me that I still want to do this six years later, you'd be crazy. But thanks to our good friends from Superfans, they keep up. Hey, it's Coach Kevin from Superfans.com. Superfans shirts. Superfans has Boston's best t-shirts. Uppercase B's for the adults and lowercase B's for the kids. You see our street hustlers at your favorite event or you shop with us at Superfans.com. At Superfans, we're just like you. We take pride in our town and support the best our teams have to offer. Listen to your New England soul. Visit Superfans.com and say hello next time you see us around town. We make Boston's best t-shirts for New England's best fans. Superfans! Superfans is a proud sponsor of Dirty Water TV. Our good friends at Superfans have some cool designs out there, especially a Super Bowl 49 Sons of Belichick shirt should be coming out soon. Coach Kevin may join us tonight on the 6th anniversary episode. Uh, joining us in about five minutes from now, Sean Glennon, uh, the author of one of my favorite books, Tom Brady versus the NFL, that he's the greatest quarterback ever. Uh, but he'll join us. Uh, Bob Hildberg, uh, the author of Total Patriots. We're going to talk to him to see if he now has to write another book or just add to it. Um, when you look at everything, when it comes to this year with the facts, it starts early. Starts last year. It starts right after that loss to Denver, and realizing that maybe Keith Talib isn't the guy. He was good, couldn't stay on the field. Revis and Browner, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal job by those guys. Um, when you look at it, and, and Browner, who had to sit there, sit out a four-game suspension to start the year. Didn't get into get involved. Revis was Revis all year. He he was as advertised. You know, me and Steven touched on it briefly. If you had told me when this show started, I'd be sitting here telling you that Darrell Revis would have been a pat. Now, while he's still in his prime, I would have laughed at you. Because I never thought the Jets would have let him go. Luckily for Patriot fans and, and everybody else, the Jets were tired of his off-field antics when it came to contracts and stuff. And John Idzik's an idiot. And, and, if you, and that's where it really goes back to. It goes back to the fact that John Idzik had a chance to bring him back, which sort of made, you know, Rex Ryan super happy. And and it didn't happen. And and you just sit there and look at it and go, man, I I can't believe it. I still when me and Steve were talking about our text late in that game yesterday, we weren't lying. You know, we we when we did the show more often we talked a lot more. I mean that's just the the way it goes. Um, but you you look at everything and you just sit there and say it's I was listening to montages all day you know especially with the with the sports hub and everything oh my you know 
just hearing a, a friend of the show, Bob Sochi's call of last night and of some of the big plays, and I listened to the game on the radio. I didn't see Bianca listen to the game on the radio. His call gave me, like, chills. Because I remember listening to Gil and Gino in the first one. And then, yeah. To hear a guy like Scott Zolak who played for the Pats. Moving forward, he, you know, the new Gino Capaletti. You listen to those guys and they call this game up and you're going, wow. Here's a guy who has passion for the team. The guys who have passion for the team. Like we do as fans. And Zolak is... If you've never listened to him, Scotty is a very over the top for some people. For Pats fans, he's he's great. And if you look at everything this team had gone through this year and the adversity and, and the flakegate, which you know, we thought about doing shows, you know, talking about break out of the Super Bowl. And I said, that's okay, I don't want to do it because I don't want to talk about the play of football because I think it's stupid. Mainly because I feel that it was a witch hunt, and, and it's another witch hunt and, and everything. And, and it turns – I think at the end of the day, it's going to turn into a witch hunt. Come back after this with uh, our good friend Sean Glenn. Patriot bias when it comes to Tom Brady. It has to be. I'm a Pats fan. I'll say this. It took him the third Super Bowl for me to finally give up my love affair for Drew Bledsoe. Actually, I think like, because it was Drew Bledsoe going to the Cowboys. But joining us now is our good friend and the author of which I, what I think may be the quintessential book that he now has to re-up and, and, and make newer. Right, Sean? That's pretty much <laughs> Tom Brady yeah, I guess the so, yeah. Of, the case of football's greatest quarterback. Sean, when you the, – the Brady and the Klein show, which Zolak is so lovingly named Felgrim Maserati, um, not bad for a guy in decline, huh? No, no. It, 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 you know, he, he held it together for one more game there, didn't he? Um, <laughs> Hopefully not. You know, the poor guy. Hopefully he was, yeah, I know. Hopefully about 50 more games. I figure about three years, you know, two years, a couple more Super Bowls. Well, that that would be nice. Um, I, you know, I, I have to believe he's got 19 left in him anyway. 
Well, let's hope so, because I think next year's going to be another special year. We were talking. I, I agree. With, we were talking with Stephen Sheehan of uh, Fanatic Sports, and he, you know, he basically ranked his overall game as like a B minus B. Where did you rank it like, last night? This game in the sort of scope of, of Super Bowls? Game. Like, oh, Brady's game. At Tom Brady's game, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess I would. Uh, I guess I would have to say B. I mean, he threw the two picks, and mm-hmm. um, and I understand there were reasons that uh, uh, that that those happened, but um, you know, they, they still happened, and the, and and I think both of them are still on him. So I can't give him an A. I don't. I don't know that I would go as low as a B minus. I mean, he did mount two uh, two really remarkable drives in the fourth quarter against. Supposedly the best defense, and well, you say the best defense in the NFL, right? And they say the best defense in in history. I, I don't know if that was ever accurate, but it was still a hell of a, a defense and a great fourth quarter defense. He he did that. Um, so to to go below a B, I think uh, is is uh, off the mark. But uh, a B seems reasonable. B maybe a B plus if you want to push it. I, I think if I were to do it, I would go B plus first half, F for the third quarter, and then an A plus for the fourth quarter. So you average it out; it basically turns into me in high school as like an A minus. Because <laughs> I think the A minus is trumps the F. Right. Um, well, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, what, I even give him more credit on, in the fourth quarter when he's on his one inch line, basically, and he. Finds a way, like Tom Brady always does, to get somebody to jump offside. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was well coached as well, um, which is uh, really the case for everything that happened there at the end of that game. Um, but but making that uh, making that happen was, uh, I, you know, I, I was uh, I was still on the edge of my seat at that point. I think uh, you know all of Patriot Nation was. We were just uh, just just wondering if something could possibly go wrong there, right? And 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 there's Seattle coming across the line, and 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 you know it's over. Yeah, I mean, when when Butler makes the pick and Brady's jumping around like I was at home, I think I jumped even higher when he when he drew him offside. This was like, okay, now it's over. Now I don't have to right. worry about anything. If he's right. not fumbling this snap, um, even though my box pool would have loved it, would have kind of liked it, but um, no, okay. But you really do look at the whole the whole thing in general, though. The whole this season, and you very well documented on your Facebook page with his numbers compared to last year. Some people look at it and say, oh, he's got more weapons this year. That's true. But I think he got better this year. I don't know how he's doing it. You know, I hope it's not the Barry Bonds way. I don't care if he's doing it anyway. But he's just getting better with age. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if I agree with you there. I mean, I think that... uh... Um, he had a great season this this season. I think a lot of it has to do with, it really does have to do with having the weapons around him, and, and that's not um, that's not to my mind uh, an insult to Tom Brady because uh, my context for saying that is that I think he was amazing last season. Uh, to, I thought that last season, and I mean 2013, was one of the the uh, most remarkable seasons in Tom Brady's career because I think he he was in a situation where it was all on him. He put that team on his bed. That team had no business in the playoffs, let alone the AFC Championship. And I know they lost that game, but 
they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have got that far. They got that far because he carried them that far. Um, and so you know he didn't have a statistically great season for him, and he he did rebound with that this year. But hell, I, I thought last season I was really uh, impressed with what he did last season. Yeah, I, I was extremely proud of that team with all the injuries, you know. And you look at the way just this team has been the last – let's go back to last year. You, you, you lose Welker because you think you're going to have Gronk healthy, Hernandez healthy, and well, maybe this Edelman guy is going to get better, and, and Amendola especially. Then in June you lose Aaron Hernandez to the murder charges, and you're going, oh, well, you know. And it's kind of like what more can this team go through? And that's the point, like, that I got to. I'm like, how much more can we go through before we win another friggin' Super Bowl? And, you know, like, it's not every team that, you know, and I think, and, and I think it was either Tangling Grasher, I don't know if Sochi and Zoe talked about on the on game broadcast yesterday, but I definitely heard them saying, yeah, it was, it was, um, Tangling Grish, because they had Burt Breer on, because Burt Breer is now Nancy Grace with the NFL Network. Uh, saying, you look where this team has come from, from losing. We could have been talking about having the two best tight ends in the world in the same game on the same field. And what would they do? I think they, it's another blowout if they have both. But you're right. Brady carries this team, and he has since, let's say, 09. And now yeah. he's got a supporting cast around him. Right, and he, you know he's had uh, since oh, since he came back really from the, the injury in '08. He's he, you know th- there's been something every season, and and I don't say that to you know sort of excuse him um, because he's you know he's certainly had his moments where he's made his mistakes, but more often than not, it's been him uh, carrying the team or, or at least pulling them along um, while. You know, Gronk is in and out of the lineup, and and uh, you know, obviously Welker had had uh, had great seasons, um, but uh, you know there wasn't a whole lot else uh, you know around them. Uh, you had you had Gronk and Hernandez when you had them both on the field, and and it was fantastic. And and I really thought you know as they headed into last season that sort of uh, you know that that two tight end thing. As we know, was was really clicking. Um, I don't think that was a hard. That, I don't think that was an easy thing to, uh, to to figure out a way around. In, in as you said, Hernandez, that that happened in June. There was no compensating for that before the season started. No. Um, when, when you've built your whole offense around that, that you know the, the two tight end sets. Um, he's he's been doing some stuff that's uh that that he won't be appreciated for because it didn't deliver championships um at least until it's all over and and someone maybe it's me maybe it's somebody else can go back and really sort of put everything in context you know last season to me uh is the sort of antidote to what you hear always hear about you know well in 2008 Brady goes out and the and the team still goes 11 and 5 with with Matt Castle so the, therefore Say the the, uh, the 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 people who want to detract from Brady. Therefore, it's not him; it's Belichick. Well, you know what? 2013, to my mind, that team has anybody else under center. They're not in the playoffs at all. Never mind all, all the way to the AFC Championship. Well, you know, the one thing with the whole Castle year was they had an easier schedule that year. That was a, that was the cupcake schedule that they usually get once every couple of years. This year was. This year was a gauntlet. 
Um, started with the three games in, in what, 16 days or 10 days or whatever it was from the, the Cincinnati game through the Jet game. And then the run of Chicago, Detroit, Indy, Denver. Like, most teams fold having six slugfests in a row, right. as this team did. And, you know, I, I was up there for the Cincinnati game. I think the Cincinnati game is what changed even Patriot fans, because they were starting to get like, ah, Brady, you know, and that's when it turned around to, God, Brady's great again. You know, when you heard the entire building change, Tom Brady, right. I was like, I was shaking with, like, how much pride I had in our fan base because, you know, sometimes we get maligned for being Patriot fans. Kind of like me being a Yankee fan. It's like, you guys win all the time. Yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> but... Yeah, you and Bob Hilberg are going to be fighting over that Brady's the greatest book. I'm just going to say that. Um, how, do you, how do you mean? But, what's that? How, what do you mean? Well, you guys are going to be fighting over who writes the you know, who writes the Brady's the greatest book. I mean, you already have the blueprint in place. I wrote it. Um, I know. I'm, sorry, I'm, just, I'm, but, I'm blessing your chops. That's, yeah. Because Bob's, uh, you know, Bob's joining us later. That's why. Right, Bob's a, a, a friend of mine, and and, uh, yeah, and and he's great. And his and his book is he needs to he needs to update his book. And he, I'm not saying anything to you that he doesn't know. He, he'd very much like to do it. Um, and and you know, I, I would love it if Triumph would let him do it because um, the guy's amazing. The book he put together is amazing, and there's been so much stuff that's happened since it came out that you know fans deserve it. He deserves it. Um, the team deserves it to have a, a volume of that book out there that, that gets us up through this Super Bowl. Um, that's the work yeah. that he should be doing. Not to, to not, you know, whatever. He, wants to, if he wanted to write a book about Brady. I'm sure he'd do a great job. I, you know, and, and he probably would. Uh, but I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna ask him. He's got to be on that. He's got to He probably hasn't written already. Just waiting for Triumph to okay it. When, like, I, I have friends that are Niners fans, and they'll go, Brady, you know, Montana never threw an interception in the Super Bowl, and he won four, and, I'm, and he only he won four. Brady has more wins than Montana played playoff games as a Niner. Right. That oh, this, to me this... is like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. To me, that's that part of it's amazing. That, like Joe Montana is regarded as the greatest, and the comeback was well, you know, there was less wild card teams. Because tell me when the last time Tom Brady played in a wild card game as a wild card was. He's won the division every time. Right, and he's—I mean, he rarely has he played in the first round of the playoffs. And now that Montana crowd—they're circling the wagons, and and you know what? I don't blame them. I, I remember when uh, when the case was really being made for Montana's the greatest ever, right? And and at that point, um, it was it was Bart Starr, and and the Bart Starr people were were circling the wagons then. Um, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember that. Uh, we didn't have the internet then, so you didn't see as much of it as. As you see now, I mean, it wasn't as, as sort of public as it is with, with this transition, right? But you know what? Uh, Twenty years from now, maybe less, it's going to be somebody else, 
And we're all going to be doing the same thing in, in New England. We're going to be sitting here going, well, no, this guy's not better than Brady because Brady did this, that, and the other thing. And we're going to be wrong because somebody's going to come along and take that crown away. Um, so I can't really hold it against the Niners fans for, for wanting to hold on to that thing. But it's gone. It's over. Um, the, the argument is, 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 is settled whether they want to admit it or not. You know, you can't even make the, the case for Peyton anymore. Oh, you never know. I mean, he may be the greatest regular season quarterback that's ever played, but yeah. I think he's a great passer. I think you could make an argument that that Peyton Manning is the greatest passer ever to play the game. But quarterback, although passer obviously is a a huge part of it, quarterback is so much more than just a passer that I think that's what, you know, was always the thing with with Marino as well. And and Marino had some obstacles that Manning hasn't had. Um, And I think he was probably better than than Manning is. I would hold Marino up as better than Manning. Um, But... um, you know, part of being a quarterback is being a leader, and being a leader involves not folding when when the heat comes on on a consistent basis. Yeah, you know, you go back to that Super Bowl last year, which I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed every single second of it, yeah. um, because I, I like watching Peyton Manning lose. But I said, you know, I'm watching that game, and when they took the safety and he walks off the field, I was like, this game's over. This is not even close. He's done. He, he's done. Right. And you just kind of sit there and go, you know, Brady still, when he had this game with the Giants, when he had the safety and they spotted the Giants, whatever many points that they spotted the Giants that year, they still were in a position to win that game. And you really look at it, the last two drives of those games that the Patriots had, you know, full complement timeouts, a real drive, and not just, you know, everything had to be a Hail Mary stuff. They scored two touchdowns. So you hear the NFL Network saying, well, he could be 3-3. Three and three. I can make a really good case that he should be 6-0. and oh. And if he's 6-0, right. oh, we're not even talking about Montana anymore, right? Oh, clearly not. Clearly not. And, and I, I mean, I think to, to sit back and say, well, he could be 3-3, three and three, it, what, what, just, what a damn stupid thing that is to say, honestly. Um, he isn't. So... So why hold that up as any kind of an argument? You know, and and if he were, it would be the third time in a row that he put the the winning points on the board and the defense couldn't hold. But you know what? This time the defense did hold. Um, and part of the reason that they were in a position to hold is that he put those points on the board with with uh, what two o two to play. And and the Seahawks ended up in a position where they had to make quick decisions at the goal line. And 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 you, you can talk about bad play calls all you want. There's a reason that that stuff happened that way, and a lot of that reason is that Tom Brady put this team in a position to win. Yeah, I can't... I don't kill Pete Carroll as much as everybody else has for that. You know, if he sees the Patriots come in their goal line stance, I get wanting to put the ball in the better... you know, your best player's hands. I get it. I, I'd probably give the ball to Marshawn Lynch there, too. But at that point, the game's sped up. You have a fumbled snap, or you have a bad handoff, or Lynch gets hit by Vince Wilfork, and the ball pops out. Then what are they saying? Well, you shouldn't have done that? So, Pete Carroll was in a no-win situation unless they won the game. Right. Right. And, you know, I've been arguing with people 
about this all day. I I I don't buy for a second that that was a that that was a bad. I think you can make the argument that it was a bad play call. Um, I'm not saying that that anybody who says that is wrong. I'm saying that you know there's people out there saying, oh, that was you know that was the worst play call in the in the history of sport or uh, you know the history of the the Super Bowl. You know, I'm not so sure. Um, if if I think you run that play a thousand times and 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 999 of those, one of two things happens. You score the touchdown to win the game, and then nobody's talking about whether that was a good play call, or it falls incomplete, and you've and you got the Patriots sort of guessing, and and you you sort of you know won yourself a, a stoppage of time, and you get to set up and 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 pound the ball in on the next play. I mean, it's a there's like a point one percent chance that 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 play goes the way it did, and and it went the way it did because the. You know, Butler made an amazing play. Um, I can't, I just can't fault, you know, Carroll or Bevel for that play call. I can't, and you know, and I thought Darius Butler, okay, granted, the football guy signed on him because he made the interception. But he made the play of the game by getting up and tackling Curse. Right. He doesn't tackle him. He walks into the end zone and we're going, oh, Christ. And I, of course, I hit my box pool, which, you know, doesn't make me feel any worse. But, but it, it, there's there's so much there that it, it go, it's like the fourth and two call. If Kevin Falk gets that spot, Patriots, you know, have a first round bye that year, and we're not even talking about losing to the race. You know, like there's so many. Just like you make that one split decision in in the season, that it's like, oh boy. Right. <laughs> Right, and you know what? When we saw that same team make a gutsy call at the end of the first half, and it paid off. Like that's yeah. who that guy is. That's the kind of thing he's going to do, and you're going to live and die by it. And and the fact of the matter is, they, that team was in their second straight Super Bowl in large part because they have lived by it. I mean, that stuff has paid off for them over and over again. They're, they're supposed to, what, play Marty Ball? They're supposed to get to the end of the Super Bowl and say, well, we, you know, we, we're just going to we're gonna do this straight because that's the, you know, suddenly that's the team we're going to be. That's not their character. I mean, yeah, and even in the, even in the, the NFC Championship game, they didn't come out running the ball in overtime. They threw the ball. So like, I don't understand why now all of a sudden it, it's like, oh, my God, they're on the one-yard line. It's still hard to run the ball in from the one-yard line. Ask the Green Bay Packers and that dumbass Mike McCarthy. <laughs> you got right. 11 big bodies in the middle of the field. Like, yeah, granted, you have an option quarterback. Well, my thing is, does anybody forget that Russell Wilson started the first the game, what, 0 for 6? It didn't have a passing yard in the first quarter, which has to be a Super Bowl record, right? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I... You know, there was a lot of records broken last night. The biggest one is, okay, granted Brady has played in six Super Bowls, but he had a really good running game in three of them. The first three, you know, you look at and Antoine Smith, who was a really good running back for this team, and you had Corey Dillon the last two. Brady didn't have to throw the ball 50 times like he did last night. In the 07, the 11 in this game, Brady has thrown the ball more often. If you had, yeah. I, I, of course, voted for Brady as the MVP because 
Okay, granted, Edelman had great plays down there, but Brady saw that give him the ball, which is why it's hard for a wide receiver. And they even talk about this with the Hall of Fame, why it's hard to get a wide receiver in because of the fact that you still need the quarterback to get you the ball to make you great. Like if, if Jerry Rice doesn't have Joe Montana and Steve Young throwing the ball and he has Matt Castle, is Jerry Rice the greatest wide receiver of all time? Probably not. Right. So, but if you, if it wasn't Brady, so, you know, you just take Brady out of it. Who's your MVP last night? Uh, Edelman, I think. Um, which, you know, goes to what you were talking about a second ago, I guess. I mean, you know, he's catching those balls from somebody. But, you know, if you're asking me if it isn't Brady, who is it? I don't know. Maybe it's Butler. I mean, he makes the play that that wins the game. But, man, without 11, I I don't know where they are. Yeah, you know what? I'd almost go Vereen. Yeah, well, that's a good call as well. 11 catches is... uh, isn't it amazing what the last three Super Bowls Patriots have played in that somebody's had 11 catches? It's amazing, particularly when you consider the fact that it's been done exactly six times um, in postseason history, right? In, yeah. And, and, and it's and it's 11 by it's it's three of them by the Patri- by Patriots players catching balls from Brady. Yeah, and two you know two of course the Welker and 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 one with Green, but. Like Shane Green's a guy who you kind of thought would have to have a big game for them to win. But how do you not cover – like, how do you not put Richard Sherman on Edelman at some point? Like, well, yeah, I mean – Like, what was he thinking at times? I, I, I think that it's one of those – it's the thing that you heard about Seattle – and that you've heard about them all season, that you certainly heard about them in the, in the build-up to this game. They run the defense that they run. Um, yeah. That said, I think, you know, you had to be aware that Lane went out earlier in the early in the game. Like, somehow you got to account for that stuff. All right, you know what? You've, you've now convinced me. It's Julian Edelman. Because he's the one that took Lane out. <laughs> well, there's that, too. I hate- I, I, I mean, I don't want to say it like that, that he took him out, took him out, but he did. He's the one that tackled him and broke his arm. I mean, without it, yeah, it's a completely different game because they picked on his replacement the whole night. They, they sure did. Uh, how much longer do you think Brady has, or he wants to? Because I, I think he's at the point of how long do I want to play for? Yeah. This is this is my fear, and and it has been with him for a long time that he's going to be another one of those great quarterbacks who um, who keeps playing, you know, after he really should walk away. That that that, so that somebody has to tell him, or, or he has to it has to be demonstrated to him that it's it's time to hang him up. Um, he's not just going to walk away. You know, if I I, I was saying today. Um, to a friend that if I were scripting the end of the story for Brady, it would go like this. You know, the Patriots go to Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco, Brady's hometown, and uh, and face the New York Giants who aren't getting to the Super Bowl next year. But let's let's you know, since we're talking about fantasy, let's 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 so go there. my girlfriend hates and, you right now, by the way. And uh, <laughs> really, Giants fan. 
Well, yeah. hey, look, maybe it could happen. I, I mean, they're going to get Cruz back, and they they, they got to solve their defense. But that, maybe that could happen, right? But so, you know, I, that's how I would write it. They go there. They face the, their betoir, the Giants. They finally dispatch the Giants in front of Brady's hometown crowd, and uh, two two in a row for the second time in his career. And you know, he rides off into the sunset. Uh, that that to me would be the perfect ending to his career. I don't want to see him go, mind you, but that would be the perfect no, ending for his yeah. career. What I think is going to happen is he's going to. He's, he, I think he's got two, three more good seasons in him, um, which is you know great news for the Patriots. Um, but I think he's going to probably play five or six, um, and some of those may be played elsewhere, and some of those may be played by a guy who's breaking down um, and, and doesn't really want to admit it. Um, so uh, you know, his dad says it's going to end badly, and I tend to agree. I don't see. I, I can see Belichick, you know, not caring because you know it's just the way Belichick is. But there's a part of me that Kraft goes to him and says, you know, hey Tom, we love you. Here's part ownership. You can be the GM whenever you want. Kind of like how Marty Brodeur's going to have in New Jersey. Because uh, I've watched that Marty Brodeur play past his prime. I don't want to see that from this guy because he. Like, I, I've lost the passions of my childhood in the last few years of Mariano, Derek, and then Marty Brodeur. Tom Brady's that last bit of my childhood that's left. I can't deal with that. I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it when he retires. I'm going to be a crying yeah. baby, I can tell you that. Because <laughs> I think everybody knows him. I think we're going to, like, get a Tom Don't Go chance or something. Yeah, um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough and maybe – for that reason, maybe the fans need him to play past the point where he can play anymore so that so that we're ready. Yeah. All right. You know, I, I agree with you. I think if he wins next year, I think he's done. But I can't see him going out like that. I can't see him just saying, you know. I, I've always thought he's the guy, because he's been so team-friendly with the contract, that he sits there and says, okay, is Garoppolo ready? And I think if Garoppolo's ready, I think he walks away then. Huh. So, uh, well, it's an interesting thought. But at least I, they, I, I definitely, wonder, I'm I definitely think he wants to win another one first. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the here's my hope. I hope, Sean, that they told him before they made the pick of Jimmy Garoppolo that we're drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. Because I, I I saw what happened with like I said with Marty Brodeur here, they didn't tell the guy until the draft the pick the trade was made that they had brought in Corey Schneider, and the guy was like, "Oh what?" That's the only hope I have that they did. Right. But you know the way Belichick is. So Sean, is there any books on the upcoming or is the next you know why great why Brady's Brady's the greatest? I can't even talk anymore. Why Brady's the greatest <laughs> book coming out? Hey, attention. Well, I don't know. Uh, I want to make it happen. Uh, it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of getting Triumph Books to agree with me that it's time to to update that book. Um, and uh, I'm working on it. I keep uh, ask you know telling folks who contact me on Twitter looking for another version to to tell Triumph they want it because if they it, when they'll publish it when they'll tell me to go ahead and write it is when they feel like there's a uh, there's a market out there for it. Um, 
there is I, I've got a new version, uh, new second edition sort of thing of uh, Game Changers, the greatest plays in New England Patriots history. That's going to come out in the fall. Uh, they're changing, they're reformatting it and changing the title, but um, working on uh, new material for that. Um, it was, that's what I spent my day doing today, um, getting stuff ready from from yesterday's game, the you know the, the Butler play and, and all that stuff. So um, we'll have that out in the fall. And uh, hopefully a, a revision of the Brady book not too not too long behind. All right, Sean. It's great having you on our sixth anniversary show. Um, we got to do this again soon. I, I agree. Anytime. Thanks for having me. It's a, an honor to be cool. part of your anniversary show. I appreciate. Oh, it's an even bigger honor that we won the Super Bowl for the first time in the six years I'm doing the show. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, that that feels pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. I, you know what? I think this play right here should make the next Game Changers book. Brady's in the gun. Bolt into his left. He's got the who man on the right wing with Dobson to the right. Collie and Tompkins left. Brady throws it to the end zone for Kenbrell Tompkins. Leaping. He's got it. Touchdown. Does that make it? Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, only because Even I've got a limited amount of space to put stuff in there, and I, I need to, to to do some other yeah. things. All right. Well, you know, don't let go. I love the call on that. If it was the greatest call, radio calls in Patriots history, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But, Sean, great having you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, George. Take care. You're welcome. Give him a follow on the Twitter box, uh, at Sean Glennon. Sean Glennon, great for joining us. You know, Bob, we were just talking about that you have to update Total Patriots, and I can't wait for it. Uh, Bob Silver is <laughs> Bob the Stuntman of who wrote the greatest anthology of New England Patriot history. Joint. Bob, what is that play? Uh, the Brady to Tompkins ranked in yours of regular season plays. Well, it's, it's certainly one of the most dramatic and. and one of the reasons that it makes um, a special moment for me is I, I had a friend of mine who had uh, tickets. He gets to one game every five years, and he was about the 15-yard line, and he left the game because the Patriots were down. And uh, so when the, you know Thompson makes the catch right in front of him pretty much, um, I text him and call him and said, that's unbelievable. You're right there. And he's like, what are you talking about? I says, where are you? He says, I'm in my car. I said, are you kidding me? I've known you for 35 years. I mean, you can't leave a game with Brady, and you have to get to your car to, like, to beat the crowd by five minutes. Are you kidding me? So he'll never lift that down. So uh, um, that's why it's a special moment for me anyways. I got up there this year, and I was so pressed for time because I took the train that I didn't get a chance to give you a holler because of the way everything happened again up there. Um. We'll get together some other time, no? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you right now, I went to work last night at 1030, which means I missed the trophy presentation, which we have to get to because I haven't talked to anybody about this yet, and I figured you'd be the perfect person. But I put in for the first Thursday of the season. So I will see you on opening night next year. Oh, and awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be quite the night, too. <laughs> I want my I want my banner. I want whatever else they're giving out that night. Cause thanks to eBay, well, the, I have one of the three. 
the first game I worked for the uh, for the NFL. Uh, I've been working for uh, the NFL, taking pictures and doing stats for the for the Patriots for every home game. Was the first game that they um, displayed the 2004 World Championship banner. So the opening day of the 2005 season, I'm out there and there's an NFL banner in front of the 2004 World Championship banner. So I'm standing next to it and saying, this is a pretty cool NFL banner. And uh, all of a sudden, Kraft gets out there and says, I want everyone to look to the south end zone. And they start peeling off the NFL banner and raising up the 2004 championship banner. And I'm standing there all by myself with a white shirt and I'm waving to everyone like, how you doing? And, of course, it was in all the videos and all the papers. And I get a text about five minutes later from my sister and said, there's a guy in white shirt. You always tell me that's where you stand, you know. And I said, yeah. Is that you? That's me, yeah. So uh, I'll be there next year standing next to that banner with a white shirt again. So uh, that was a special moment to me as well. So it's timing and luck is everything. But if you seize the moment, uh, you know, there's a lot of joy in this Patriots. It's unbelievable what happened. One of the funny things is, is me being a New Yorker and being a Yankee fan, I, I now have seen it on both sides of why people hate teams that win all the time. And for us Patriot fans and for you guys that are Red Sox fans, you now see how Yankee fans feel all the time. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing about the, the reason that we don't like the Yankees so much is that for many, many years, you guys had more money than anybody else. And you guys were able to buy the best players. You guys get a lot of revenue from TV, and we thought that was a disadvantage. Uh, I mean, going back to DiMaggio and, and uh, some of those kind of players back then. So we'd always been jealous. You know, my father said, uh, you know, we always lose to the Yankees. And, you know, and uh, Yorkie was, was cheap and – um, you know, and the Yankees always had more money, and then eventually the Red Sox came around and said, "I guess we got to spend it to to compete." And ever since then, uh, we've been uh, keeping up with you guys to some extent. You know. Yeah, the funny thing, I, I talked to Stephen Sheen of Fad Man Sports before, and I said this to him: I now, as a Patriot fan, know, or as a Patriot fan, now know how Red Sox fans felt in '75 and. 86 and 03 and 04 and last night for Patriot fans was our 2004. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. The catch that Curse makes is down 3-0 to the Yankees. The interception yep. is winning game seven. With the interception is the bloody sock to me. This is what tells this team now into, I think, another dynasty. Well, the way they manage the cap, and, I mean, some of these guys that they pick up, I mean, this Malcolm Butler, I mean, he worked his, his butt off to, to make the team, and Brady was saying he was always intercepting me in practice, and who is this kid, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And for him to, to, to have the vision and to have, you know, the work ethic and to know, all right, he had no time really to react. He started the lineup and said, I got to go for this, you know? He took a chance. I mean, they, they could have – done four other different uh, plays from that formation, but um, he knew it. And, it. and it kind of reminded me of a game in 1961 where the Boston Patriots were playing, and there was a guy that ran on the field in the last play of the game to kind of deflect the pass. Um, we had a 12th man on the field. Uh, from uh, It was the one-yard slant pass, the Dallas Texans, and the Patriots ended up winning that game too. So 
you know, Pete Carroll's got to study his history. He should know, you know, that the Patriots do well in one-yard slam passes, you know, on defense. I see another meme coming for the total Patriots book. That's all I'm saying with that. <laughs> you know what, though? Why is it always us that has some kind of controversy, whether it's the snowplow game or, you know, Spygate or, you know, my balls are too soft gate or whatever the hell they're calling this one? Why do we always have this? Like, can somebody else please have a come-to-Jesus moment and just get caught cheating? Or not cheating, you know, bending the rules like it's professional wrestling? Well, I mean, they're they're out there, but the media doesn't jump on it. I mean, uh, Seattle had more guys do performance-enhancing drugs than anyone in the last couple of years. You didn't hear a beep about that, did you? No. No, because they weren't Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Everybody has it. But is it funny to you that nobody, like, around the NFL or the media around the NFL cares about PEDs like they do, like the Lodge and baseball? Well, I mean, baseball is certainly a statistical-run sport, and, you know, it goes back, you know, 100 years, so they're still comparing Babe Ruth and uh, – you know, Ty Cobb and, and those kind of batting averages now. So, I mean, it's it's a, a sport that, you know, you can still measure. It's still 90 feet to first base and all that kind of stuff. With with football, I mean, they're faster and stronger and heavier than they ever were. So, and it's a violent sport. And, I mean, look at last night. More people watched that game than any program in the history of TV. So, I mean, they love the action and they love the physicalness of it. And they just kind of look at the other way, you know. Yeah, I, I got a text from one of my buddies that said, yeah, all those anti-domestic violence ads go away with the fight at the end of the game where everybody's going after Gronk, of course, for some <laughs> reason. Like, I really wanted Gronk to throw somebody out of the club in the Super Bowl, but I'm glad he didn't because he probably would have hurt himself or something. Um, but in historical significance, which is, you know, where does this Patriot team rank for you? What is the Patriots? What? Where does this team rank with oh, right. you as? Yeah, I, I would say it's it's one of the more um, resolve. I mean, that's not the word. Probably one of the most. Um, I don't know the hardest working. I, I would guess. I mean, they don't really have a tremendous amount of of stars on this team, but. The, the comeback that they had against Baltimore, down 14 twice, uh, and to be down 10 in the fourth quarter, um, I mean, just their their guts and their courage. Uh, I would rank them up there. I mean, we had talent on some of the other teams with McGinnis and, and uh, Ty Law and you know, some of the other, Corey Dillon and some of those kind of players, but... I mean, we got like like McGarrett Blount, who was dropped by the Steelers. We got Jonas Gray, you know. We got Malcolm Butler, and you know, undrafted free agent. Uh, I mean, we had Darrell Rivas, but you know, he didn't. He kind of took care of some part of the field, but uh, and we got Gronk certainly, but LaFell. I mean, who's LaFell two years ago? You know, Um, Julian Edelman. You know, almost the MVP of the game. You know, the hit that he took. Um, I mean, you could feel that, and he just gets right up, you know. Um, 
I mean, I this is a miracle game. There's, there's no question. I mean, uh, Robert Kraft talked about you know the first Super Bowl, and I mean we had some talent on that team uh, with with Ty Law returning the interception, but uh, I don't know. The Patriots just have a, a sense of putting players in position to play, and uh, Ninkovich. How, how can you not love Ninkovich? And, and uh, I mean guys like that that just just play their their rumps off and and just win the game. Um, and to be such dramatic, this was. I mean that interception certainly is is ranked right now as, as the greatest interception in the history of the Patriots. Um, you know, Vinatieri had the greatest kick. Um, I mean Edelman's uh, touchdown. Uh, would rank up there as one of the greatest touchdowns, you know, to two minutes ago. Um, how do you guide against a guy like that one-on-one? You can't do that. <laughs> He's just too quick. Uh, it was just amazing to see. You know, I, I go back and, and I watch a football life with Belichick as much as I possibly can. It's basically, as Barstow would call it, Patriots form. Yeah. And you go back to that scene where he runs back to kick against the Eagles in the preseason and Belichick goes, hey, Wally Pip. Yeah, right. And, uh, and he, as great as Welker was, I don't think he's as good as Edelman. And, and that pains me because I love to watch Welker as Patriots. I mean, it's, it's amazing how, how versatile, you know, he is. Um I mean, he's, he does everything. I mean, you know, Troy Brown was on the, the post-game show, and he says, you know, uh, you know, Tom Brady took a guy like me and, and put him on the map. Uh, and he even said to the, the audience, he says, you know, who am I? I was a punt returner that get, get, cut off the team. And and here we got Edelman. He came into the team as a punt returner. Uh, and now he's, you know, uh, scoring touchdowns and, and just doing everything in, in a Super Bowl game. Um, just an amazing story with some of these guys. Was it Exchange of the Super Bowl trophy, kind of craft telling Giselle, like, piss off in not so many words. What's that again? I've heard a lot. I didn't see it, so mind you that because I had to go to work. But the exchange of the Super Bowl trophy between Kraft and Giselle, was that not something you expected out of Robert Kraft? Um, yeah, they talked a little bit about, about that, the un, uncomfortableness. Uh, I mean, this, I mean, you look at Goodell and say, well, you know, why didn't he make any, um, uh, quick decisions on this? And why is he dragging this thing out? And then you look back and say, this is, this was the greatest program in the history of TV. I mean, was it because of the Slategate? I mean, cause it was on Imus and it was on the Today Show and it was on these talk shows and stuff. I mean, was Goodell kind of look at that saying that the more publicity we get, we get more people listening and watching? Is that part of what his uh, scheme is? Um, I mean, but with Goodell and Kraft, the relationship that everyone thought was, uh, you know, friendly, and with Goodell coming here into Brookline before the championship game and hanging out in the party. Um, but Kraft, <laughs> Kraft is best. There's no question that. Uh, Goodell could have handled this better, and the NFL could have handled this and could have wrapped this thing up in five minutes. Uh, and 
I mean, what we're hearing now, there was there was one ball that was maybe under-deflated and the other 10 were within, like, a, enough of a range to be like, nobody cares. Um, and, I mean, this is ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, that was that was craft all the way. He's, he's still upset, and he's going to be upset until the NFL comes out with this thing and, and apologizes to the NFL to the Patriots because I, I see that uh, I don't see that the Patriots did anything wrong. Do you think we actually get the apology though? Um, I, no, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think that relationship with Goodell and Kraft is, is, is tarnished and probably will be for a long time. Um, but no, I don't, it's going to come back, but you know, in a couple of weeks and say, we don't have enough evidence. And, you know, we looked at everything and they'll break it all down, but it, it's kind of just kind of fade away. Um, but I don't see the NFL is going to make any kind of thing, especially you can't do it now with, you know, the the whole world, you know, 80% of uh, the people thinking that we're cheetahs and we deflated the ball. And uh, I mean, Kraft, I love this comment when Michelle Tafoya asked him, you know, what about the flake gate? And he says, uh, hey, we won the game 45 to 7. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's not like we, uh, you know, we kicked a 62-yard field goal and won the game by one point, and it was deflated, and the ball went far. You know, I mean, I can see there's a complaint there that you know you you cheated with the ball to kick the game-winning field goal from a long distance, but 45 to seven, shut up, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's the point I'm at, and like you know, and, and you know, you guys have to defend the Patriots, not as much as I have to living down here because you know everybody hates us. But at one point, you know, where you got people saying, you know, I'm tired of this whole, and I said to you before, can we not have a controversy at some point, you know, and, you know, with the snow fire and all that stuff, which, you know, the referees, what happens? I mean, there's going to be controversy with, with teams that win. I mean, everyone's going to look for an edge and say, why, they, why are we so dominant? I mean, I mean, you don't hear much about the San Antonio Spurs, you know, that they cheat or anything like that. I mean, they're, the Patriots and the San Antonio Spurs have a, the two greatest winning percentages in the last 20 years of any sport. Um, you know, there are people out there that, you know, if, if you're winning and you've got some controversy, and certainly Belichick is not the uh, um, the nicest and friendliest guy out there, so there's a lot of people that you know have that. Uh, against him, and certainly he did get caught doing something that was against the, the rules, and they came down hard on him. So once you have a little bit of a tarnished reputation, they're going to come back and say, listen, you did it once, you're going to do it again, you're going to do it again, once a liar, always a liar. And, uh, you know, that's going to be there forever. But even if Belichick wins two or three more Super Bowls, they're still going to bring this thing up. Yeah, we get and, over and it and we move on. Done. Yeah, we do. And, and I think yep. Trent Dilfer, who killed us in, in um, you know, in, in late September after the, the Kansas City game. Right. And, uh, you know, he killed us. But, you know what, I give him credit. When Edelman called him out, he at least ate his medicine. He ate some crow, too. But then when he's our staunchest defender yesterday, I was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, you know, Brady's breaking all kind of records. Belichick's beating all kind of records. And people like their names in the record books. I mean, Jerry Rice and 
in Montana and all these guys, you know, their records are, are falling now. Um, and, I mean, certainly you just had Sean Glenn on. I mean, I've been telling people since Sean's book came out that Tom Grady is the greatest uh, quarterback ever in the history of the NFL. And um, there are still people saying the Montana's better. Really? <laughs> Look at the numbers. Are you kidding me? Uh, there was one stat that I heard from uh, Kerry Byrne today from Cold Hot Football Facts that quarterbacks that have thrown for more than 300 yards – no, I'm sorry, quarterbacks that have attempted more than 50 passes in a playoff game, quarterbacks 50-plus uh, attempts in a postseason game, their record is 7-28. and 7-28 when you – Brady is four and one. Brady is four and one, and all the other quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that have attempted fifty plus passes are three and twenty-seven, and he's four and one. I don't know if that tells you uh, that Brady leads his team to victory when he he is on his back to throw fifty plus passes. Four and one, two and zero this year. You know, it, it, uh, here's the other thing that people forget about Montana. That, all right, so granted, there was, you know, less teams making the playoffs every year. Yep. Brady has more wins than playoff games than Montana played in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, okay, with the Niners, because, you know, like, who remembers the Kansas City years? But with the Niners, Brady has won more games than he played in. So at what point you sit there and say, and I understand it. And you know what, Bob? In 20 years, we're going to be sitting here, you know, we're going to be sharing a beer at, you know, Patriot Place or 10 years from now, and people are going to say Rodgers right. is better, and we're going to staunchly defend Brady because, you know, Brady hasn't blown a playoff game the way Aaron Rodgers did. Right. But, you know, you, you look at, like, the whole NFC playoff in general this year. I'll get back to my point on Montana in a second. But you look at the whole thing. The Cowboys shouldn't have beating the Lions, they did. Green Bay shouldn't have beat the Cowboys, they did. Seattle shouldn't have beat... The only team that was a clear-cut winner in any game was the Pats. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been an amazing run. I mean, this, this year is... I mean, you look at it and, uh, you know, yesterday's game was surreal. I mean, they, they interviewed Mark, Malcolm Butler and he couldn't even talk. He just, it's like, I don't even know what happened, you know. Um... It's a, it's amazing what what they've been able to do, um, and it's I mean it's so we're so blessed to be up here to have, you know, the Larry Bird, the Bobby Orr, um, and the Tom Brady of of sports here. Um, I, I'm just you know you shake your head and say how does Brady do this every single year? You know, I mean he's had some some tough luck in the Super Bowls against the Giants, but. Uh, uh, this is amazing. To, Ten years later, do it again. You know, here's the one thing that people forget about the Giant game is because of the two great catchers. The last time the Patriots have had the ball, Brady drove them down for scores. Yep. You know, where they weren't all hammered. Where, you know, the, you take the last drive of the game out, which, you know, if he had come back at one of them, or if Gronk was healthy in the second one, or Welker catches the ball. Right. Which is always right, but how can <laughs> right. you, like how do you take away? Like Frank Caliendo, the best tweet yesterday. My husband has guys who can catch the ball now. He doesn't have to throw it and catch it himself. Um, yep. 
But you just look at this whole thing and you just sit there and say, God, this team and this guy and this quarterback, it, it, it took me a long time to become a Brady guy because I was a Bledsoe guy. Bledsoe's the reason I'm a Pats fan. And once I, you know, finally bought into, okay, this guy's pretty freaking good. He's really freaking good. I'm not even killing I mean, anymore for that Indianapolis game because I wrote you told him, tell me how freaking hot the, state, the stadium became. But, you know, there was no NFL investigation into that. Right. I mean, the, the, even with Brady throwing two interceptions, I mean, he, I mean, when the, they came back against Baltimore and, you know, he, he scored the touchdown and he just had determination on his mind that we're not going to lose. I don't care what the score is. I don't care what, what the situation is. I mean, that, that game, you know, that, that we started this conversation with, with Ken Burrell Tompkins, you know, throwing that pass in the end zone with the last play of the game. I mean, Brady is bound and determined, and he's still like he's 22 years old. I'm 199th pick, you know, Cinderella story. And I, he still has that fire in the gut, you know, 37 years old. Uh, it's amazing to see, you know, uh, how he leads his team just with pure guts and how Edelman and uh, Vereen and, and you know, Blount, I mean, everyone, who man, I mean, everyone is just on on the same path. And Gronk is so much fun to watch. I mean, there's so many characters on this team that are good guys. McCordy, I mean, you, you go right down the list. There's Slater. Uh, these are all classic good guys, and you just pull for them, you know? You know, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss with Gronk. He's a good guy. He's a goofball, but he's a good guy. He's not like, you know, my dad who is, you know, doesn't like Patriots because, you know, he's a Giants fan and hates me because I'm a Patriot fan. But even he sat there and rooted for him because he doesn't like D. Carroll and he doesn't like Seattle and he doesn't like the way they act. You can't say anything bad about any of these Patriots. I mean, you look at some of the other tight ends out there. Jimmy Graham, they talked about Jimmy Graham, how he cowers and he doesn't, you know, go all out all the time. And Antonio Gates, you know, is a superstar, but he hasn't shown up in big games. And, and uh, you know, Don and Gonzalez and some of the greatest tight ends. And then you compare them to Gronk and the Beast. And Gronk just loves to play football. Uh, he's got, you know, an enthusiasm that is just, just makes everyone kind of like got to love Gronk and of course when he scores a touchdown and places go nuts and uh, it was funny that little book that, that came out about Gronk too that you know he had no idea what that was all about but uh, but you, you love those stories and the women love them and the kids love them I've had a chance to meet him and talk to him a couple of times he's just a little little kid just a, a big beast of a guy and but he loves blocking he loves playing he loves catching he loves everything about football practicing um, and to play with Brady, uh, I mean, we, we're blessed. And I mean, one of the things that that kind of put me on the map a little bit when uh, my book came out, I was on the set with Teddy Bruschi before the draft, and and they said, you know, what should the Patriots do? And I says, well, we need a tight end like a Dallas Clock, you know. And then about a week later, we drafted uh, Gronk. And everyone, I didn't mention Gronk's name by name, but I said we need a tight end that can change the game. And uh, it was kind of like Silberg knows what he's talking about, you know. Uh, I was lucky you know, there, but uh, I remember, and I, I was sitting there at the draft when they drafted him. And when he came out with the Patriot helmet, I said, "This guy gets it. We're going to love this guy." 
I had no idea who he was because, you know, who follows all that. But he just – he has that – there's going to be a lot of tight ends coming out of the New England area. Right. And the next, you know, when these kids grow up. Because everybody's going to want to play tight end because of, cause of him. And he's one of those guys. Like, how many kids up there are 13, 14 years old named Brady? Hundreds, thousands. There's dogs named yeah. Brady. There's kids named Brady. There's, I mean, even girls are named Brady. You know? Yeah. It's funny because I, I was saying to my girlfriend, we were, you know, we were having this conversation, and without me having the last name, I was like, yeah, I want to name my first kid Brady, and she starts laughing. I'm like, yeah, and then we get him a little like, you know, Patriot cutoff hoodie and have BB put on. She goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I mean. You know, it's great when it happens, and good Lord hoping I do, but... Right, right. You know, when you look at everything, and, and somebody asked this question, I guess it was one of the Boston shows that, where is Brady on the pantheon of Boston sports heroes? Has he oh, he's got things yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Brady's number one. There's no question. I mean, Bird... Bird was, was, was cool. He was, he was kind of he was kind of a jerk a little bit, and you know he's not here anymore. I mean, he he Bobby Orr is is a legend, and he's charitable. You know, of course, it's forty years ago that he played too, but uh, um, but I don't think anyone else. I mean, no one else uh, on the Celtics has really taken the mantle. I mean, um, and and the Red Sox, uh, David Ortiz probably. Um, is is legend here, so um, so it's probably Ortiz and Brady. But you know, this is with winning a, a fourth championship. Geez, Brady is huge, is huge, huge, huge. You know. Yeah, and it's always amazing when you're in New York and they have another team's player. You know, and, and you can find every other team. Like you know, you go to like Models and they have you know Cowboy stuff and. But there's always that rack of Brady jerseys that always goes at Christmas time. And the guy's got one of the best-selling jerseys in the NFL, which is still amazing because he's been in the league forever. And, ha- yep. and, it's, and it's not like the jerseys change where you have to go out and buy a new one. Um, we're, we're so like, and as a sports fan and being, a, you know, a fan from, you know, here and having Marty Bordor and, and Mariano and Derek, I'm blessed to see the greatest players to ever play. And as I was saying to Sean when he was on, I don't know if I'm ready to give up Brady yet. Jeter, I could have done away with 10 years ago. But Brady, I'm not ready to give that up. (laughs) No, he's got to play for a couple more years. Well, according to him. But, you know, Giselle's going to sit there and go, Tommy, I think it's time to come home. I mean, you know. that's a ton of money. There's, there's no question. You know, and if he leaves right now, he'd be on top of the world like Elway. But, um, I mean, Revis is probably coming back. I mean, we don't know yet. But, uh, you know, I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, he's going to go with the Jets uh, for the money. I mean, <laughs> yeah, good luck going back there, you know. So is there an updated version of Total Patriots coming out anytime soon? Uh, probably not. No. Uh, I mean, right now, Ooh. most of most most of my uh, stuff that I dug up, you couldn't find anywhere else. You know, because it goes back to 1960. So, to to update it, most of the stuff that you can update it with, 
you know, it was all on the internet. So, I mean, I can update a few things, but, um, um, I don't know. It's a lot of work to put it all together and to get up there and sell it again. Selling the book is, is a lot, a lot of work. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I enjoy it, but it takes a tremendous amount of time to get up there. And, uh, been there, done that. And, you know, I, I can certainly, I've been updating a lot of stats as I go along with, Bob the Statman on Twitter and things like that. But the newest thing I'm working on now is the history of Boston. Um, I've got a uh, thing called Why We Love Boston, and it's all about the greatest moments in the history of Boston, whether it's Paul Revere and Ben Franklin to uh, Tom Brady and David Ortiz and Celtics moments, boxing moments, Boston Marathon, uh, Revolution, and so the 300 reasons of why we love Boston. So... That's my next project right now is just to uh, get people to understand the tremendous history that we have here about uh, yeah. everything that's ever happened and in Boston. And as a New Yorker, I will say it is my favorite city in the world. Thank you. Yeah. There's, there's so much so much here that, that people don't really realize. And I was on a radio show just the other day and talking about some of the things that happened in Boston, the history of Boston with Sam Adams and John Hancock and and there was a guy, he was about 70 years old. He said, I've lived here my whole life. I thought I knew everything. He said, I had no idea about these things. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I've educated the people in the history of the Patriots for going back for 50-plus years. So now I've got a new chat, chapter to go back about 400 years with the history of Boston, of how it started. And uh, it was actually uh, named the Shawmut Peninsula at one time, and then it, it changed and became the town of Boston and then the city of Boston. Um, so there's a lot of cool little factoids about, you know, Ben Franklin was born here and Samuel Morse, the Morse code guy, was born here and Leonard Nimoy of uh, Star Trek was born here and, you know, all those kind of fun facts that uh, people don't know about. All right. Well, Bob, everybody can pick that up and just follow Bob the Statman on the Twitter box and you can find out how to get that. Bob, it was great having you on. We'll do this again soon, and I guarantee you I will see you on opening night next year. Yeah, it should be a blast. It's not it should be a blast. But I appreciate it, and happy anniversary. And, Thank you. Uh, it was a mag- magical uh, moment there to go from we're going to lose this again on a, on a jungle pass reception at the five-yard line to, you know, Butler did it uh, with an interception, um, undrafted free agent Cinderella story to <laughs> – win the Super Bowl with 20 seconds to go. Oh, man, the emotions and the drama that we go through here. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, but life, life's a journey, and you got to enjoy the ride no matter which way it is. So we lucked out this time, but, uh, you know, enjoy all the sports that you play and all the sports that you follow, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And, uh, sometimes it rains. You know, and sometimes you win the World Championship. uh well, actually, how many times? Four times in the last 15 years. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Not bad. Bob, uh, good having you, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Go past. Bob the Statman. Uh, hey, it's Coach Kevin from Superfans.com. Superfans shirt. Superfans has Boston's best t-shirts. 
uppercase B's for the adults, and lowercase B's for the kids. You see our street hustlers at your favorite event, or you shop with us at superfans.com. At Superfans, we're just like you. We take pride in our town and support the best our teams have to offer. Listen to your New England soul. Visit superfans.com and say hello next time you see us around town. We make Boston's best t-shirts for New England's best fans. Superfans! Superfans is a proud sponsor of Dirty Water TV. And a hell of a proud sponsor of the What's Doing in Sports Radio Network celebrating our sixth year. And there's nobody better to close out this anniversary show for me than my good friend, Head Coach Kevin. Kev, how the fuck are you? <laughs> so it's that type of show we get to swear, huh? George, oh, great dude. to hear from you, buddy. Are you kidding me? This show, you're allowed to swear. <laughs> Whatever, dude. We've had private podcasts. I love here. it. Well, dude, it, I still you just overwhelmed me with two treats. Uh, number one, I was pleasantly surprised to recognize that voice on the uh, on the radio just before I called in here. Uh, Bob, mm-hmm. the stat man, Bob Hilbert, Robert Hildberg Jr. of Total Patriots fame. And uh, the Why We Love Boston calendar, of which Superfans Streetwear also sells for him. And uh, and then, man, what a flashback, throwing up my old TV commercial, the first uh, com- TV commercial from my little street market here. But uh, it's come a long ways in this market. we got a lot of competition out there, so I appreciate you being a loyal uh, supporter, a loyal voice. Yeah, I was wearing my... I was wearing my Sunday Funday shirt yesterday. You know, I was I was rocking the Sunday Funday sweatpants, but I don't I don't just hold them to Sundays. They're so comfortable. I just I wear them, you know, whenever it's uh, you know getting home from work, just slip into those uh, those sweatpants. But definitely on a football day. So great show so far, man. Congratulations on your six years here. I uh, love listening to Bob, um, man, <laughs> and, and you know just the back and forth between the two of you two is. Uh, you know, there's just so many different ways to look at sports and the effects it has in our lives. And right now, you know, most of the folks in New England and across the world that like the Patriots are on cloud nine. You know, it's it's fantastic. We deserve this. You know, it's funny. I, I was I had to go to work after the game ended, or at 10:30 last night, and all I was praying for was no overtime because I didn't want to miss the end. Right, but right. I, 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 but I was cool with listening to Zoe and, and Bob Sochi. So I was cool with that. Well, Zoe is is a treat. I mean, he's a crossover. He he's this, you know, sports journalist, announcer, analyst, but he's a former player and he's really he's a fan. Like he basically speaks the mind of the dude sitting next to you at the bar. He's like screaming into the microphone. He's been a joy that, you know, in in the last few years. But, uh, you know, what a great way to, to listen. Um, I think he lost his voice. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I Somehow, someway, doing this show and whatever, I've met some really cool people, and, and you're pretty high up on that list. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But, but one of my better better followers on the Twitter is Bob Sochi. And I had a, a – they must have been on the plane. And I'm having like a back and forth with him through DM, and I'm like, "Thank you for call last night, because it was like, here's a guy who stepped into a really tough situation, replacing the legend, 
Steel Panther. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and we had him on last year as he was preparing to go into that role. And I said, you know, for you, what would be better, calling a Super Bowl or the Army-Navy game? Because the Army-Navy game is like one of those great events that we have in this country. Yeah, a lot of people don't don't realize that, but it is. You know, and that's one of the things, like, I'm so depressed that the Jets won't bid to have it at the new Giant Stadium because it's like, I don't want to drive to Philly. (laughs) You know, I went went to one – I went, well, I'm just going to interject. I, speaking of oh. Philly, so I went to one Army-Navy game back in 1985. Now, my father is Army, uh, so he took us to, uh, I think there was snow. I can't remember specifically. I, you know, at that time, we went to uh, we went to a game in West Point, uh, which was cool. There was definitely snow there. Um, but we went to that Army-Navy game at, I think the old veteran stadium, and if you know those 1970s concrete AstroTurf stadiums, they're straight up and straight down, and it's really scary for a little nine-year-old boy to go to the top of the, you know, 300-level section. Uh, But, you know, just so much energy there because there's such a rivalry, and these are the guys that are protecting our country. And uh, the the famous name back then, one of the more famous – Cadets playing uh, playing football in the last couple of decades was Napoleon McCallum. I don't know if you know that name, but what a great sports name! Napoleon McCallum was a running back for Navy, and uh, he was like a standout back in the in the mid '80s. Um, of course, the teams can't really they, they didn't match up against the rest of the the state teams and stuff. But you know, putting those two teams head to head, that's some great great sports uh, sports lore because it goes back like a century. You know, I had the opportunity, and and love the fact that I'm close enough to where I can go to an Army Navy. Like I can go to an Army game if I, you know, so choose to, because of living where I do, and it's it's not mm-hmm. a long ride. And but I went to see them play at Yankee Stadium this year. What? Very cool. Like it's like my mom loves college football because she likes the pomp and circumstance and all that stuff. Like, we went to see Penn State play uh, Rutgers this year. And my mom is like, you know, she's your mom. Moms don't love sports like we do. <laughs> and Some of them do. She, some of them do. Some of them do. Most of them don't. My, my, my mom's a big, does. big, big Redskins fan. So, you know, she's she's into it every every week the last 35-something years. So, but yeah, that's great that yeah. you went to that game with your mother. And, and like she sit there and like she's like, wow, like she never understood like you know me and my buddies go out to Penn State a lot to go see a game, and my mom's like, man, I'd love to go to that place to see a game. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can go, we can go, we can go. Uh, yeah, that's like. I mean, those are super fans that go to those games. Those are super. Fans. So, um, so that was it. The Army Navy game at, at Yankee Stadium, is that right? No, they played uh, UConn. Which okay, so my dad is, loved because we hate UConn. Was it? So it was Army UConn. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, that's a good setting for that. It's like uh, you know, like uh, equidistant type travel. Of course, West Point's a little further, but 
that's pretty cool. And then for everybody to be in New York City in the Bronx for that game, that's special for those uh, for the alumni and for the for the kids. You know, it's pretty cool right now uh, that I saw come across the radar screen. Um, and I know you're uh, you're soon to be a converted Red Sox fan. We've had this conversation. As I saw you, you you well up with tears sitting on top of the Green Monster with me as your lackluster team in 2013 was was doing nothing. Of course, we were able to laugh about the 2012 and 2014 Red Sox and whatever. Anyway, moving on. Fenway Park is going to play host. We'll still adopt you, man. That's part of our whole process here in New England. Is it you know? Bob was just talking about how uh, we brought freedom to the to the Western world, and you know, by the same token, we've got that we got that same chip on our shoulder that thinks that we know what's best here in New England. We're, we'll bring you in. We'll bring you in the fold uh, to the light side, right? So anyway, long story you know, short, then we. What I was about to I bought a pejorative shirt finally. Yeah, yeah. Well, who you know, he's one of those guys that that the whole country, any baseball fan can love Petroy. He's the the little underdog that that overachieved. So Fenway Park is hosting Boston College and Notre Dame uh, this fall. So that's a really interesting venue. Uh, And of course, those two teams, like those um, like those academies, the military academies, Boston College and Notre Dame are unique. They're the only uh, Division One NCAA football programs left, and a uh, nice rivalry between those two schools. They just played each other uh, one year ago in hockey at Fenway Park. I went to that game in January with snow. It's beautiful. Um, so, George, that might be uh, another visit that uh, if you're into the college football scene, a, a BC Notre Dame football game has got a lot of family tradition and hosting it at Fenway Park is really cool. So I invite you up for that. You know, it's funny with that though, like uh, as a Seton Hall basketball fan, because they're another, you know, thank God that the college, you know, colleges have uh, basketball still in the, in the Catholic schools. Yeah. Um, You know, you you just kind of laugh at it and you go, but yeah, I definitely would love to try to get up there for it. I definitely am hoping my good friend Kevin Cougar can help uh, facilitate some uh, winter classic tickets next year at uh, the house. Yeah, you know that's a, it's another uh, treat. When is when are we hosting again? I know they just made the announcement like a week ago. We don't host next year, do we? Yes. Yeah. So next January, it's Gillette Stadium hosting NHL. Uh, hockey, correct? Yep. Huh. Yeah, let's see uh, Let's see what we can do, you know? You never know, George. Uh, well, the other thing that is interesting is in Ireland, um, I think Boston College – no, 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 that's what it is. Yep, it's uh, the four Boston um, collegiate teams uh, that play the – you know, some of your listeners might not know about the bean pot. But here in February, every year for like the last 70 years, the top four NCAA hockey programs, Boston College, Boston University, Harvard, and Northeastern match up against each other in a two-weekend beanpot tournament, which is to us equivalent to winning an NCAA championship, uh, which is crazy. But um, near equivalent anyways. 
So bragging rights for the city. They are taking that, uh, the, the mayor of Boston, and this is, these are those little fun facts you learn as a Bostonian, like Bob was talking about with his Why We Love Boston. Uh, the mayor of Boston set up a sister city, uh, I believe it's with Belfast in Ireland, and, and that's actually Northern Ireland, and they are playing host to um, the Beanpot. So that, that's a really interesting crossover. Um, and, yeah. I, you know, I tie that back into the NFL Super Bowl because that's kind of what we should get back to talking about is the Super Bowl here. Uh, it was interesting to hear on Media Day, and they had some more follow-up, um, you, know, you know, replays of interviews from international journalists. Uh, Brazilian, Mexican, Australian, Japanese, the British, uh, all talking, you know, just even just though the British the revolution won the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> they, all these uh, all these international sports journalists are talking. You know, this wasn't the silly like, what are you wearing when you go dancing after after the game, Gronk type questions that you get on a lot of media day stuff. These were like insightful thought out uh they've got a fan base back home to report to so the the globalization of sports like football or potential potentially i don't i don't see hockey really picking up in in the british isles but the globalization of the american sport that we've got the brand that we've put out there is fantastic um if we want to tie that back in the super fan street where we got a whole nother radio show we could talk about <laughs> Oh, that's what we are. That's what we do. That's what we do here for you, Captain. That a boy. So yeah, tell, give me some. Give me some more of your thoughts on on this Super Bowl. You you had to depart a little early. You listened to uh, the radio version on your way to work. Is that no, right? No, no, I didn't get. No, I listened to the radio version at home. But I was like, if I had to leave, I would have had to. I gotcha, didn't get to see gotcha. the trophy ceremony. Um, but thank God for Instagram and. Twitter and Facebook and God, I saw so many freaking pictures. Yeah. Who has it better? Who has it better than Tom Brady? I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I think he deserves it. You know, I mean, it's uh, he deserves he deserves all the good that comes his way. IMO, in my opinion, um, I'm a little tired of uh, you know. It's interesting the question you had posed to Bob is Tom Brady, you know, Boston's all-time greatest athlete or most celebrated and I can tell you in my sports marketing uh, life of a decade here the moment that he split off from um, uh, what's the girl's name she's beautiful all American actress girl Bridget Moynihan here from Massachusetts uh, there was kind of this overlap and we actually had a t-shirt for super fans called uh, it said Tom Brady's my wingman where it had him and two girls, you know, one on each arm. That was that questionable time period. Everyone's like, wait a minute, he was just with Bridget. Where did he go? That's the one thing I think I've ever seen him sort of do wrong or say wrong, in my opinion. But you never know what's going on behind closed doors in these romances, right? So whatever, yeah. he gravitates towards Giselle. They seem to have a, a lovely life together. And, um, you know, but that moment is when all these women – and I watched it with Drew Bledsoe. You got the new young rookie quarterback and, you know, young young quarterback. Then he's taken and he's married. And all of a sudden these women jumped off of the Tom Brady bandwagon and they're like, I don't like Tom Brady. You know, and, and, but they never have an answer why. So 
You yeah, well, must have had these conversations with Patriots fans that claim that they're diehard Patriots fans. How many Patriots fans do you know out there, their first response is annoyance with Tom Brady? They're, they're turned off by Tom Brady. Do you experience that, George? No, I don't see it from Patriots fans because you know what it is? I think being down here, most Patriots fans only know Tom Brady. Yeah, okay. How many? Like, it's kind of like I, I call Yankee fans. I can't even so call maybe, maybe that's the overexposure, George. Maybe that's what I'm experiencing around here. That every day I, this media no, and consume sports consumers eating up Red Sox and Patriots gear 365 days a year, and maybe uh, that's the turnoff that people have with other fans. Wait, with Patriot fans or everybody else? I'm talking Patriots fans. I'm just get, I'm just throwing this one out no, no, there because I, when you guys I, I ask who the who the all time, you know, we got like 125 years worth of uh, worldwide Boston sports history dating back to Red Sox and boxing and marathon and stuff like that. Who's yeah. the greatest? And I bet you you would have a, a lot of local Boston sports fans just ragging on Tom for no reason. Um, I think the man can't walk, you know, can't do anything wrong. Like he walks on water, in my in my opinion. I, oh, I've been so saying for the last few he's years, my my behind closed doors with friends, I'm like Tom Brady is the, the God's gift to mankind. He's the best man to walk the face of the earth the last 2014 and a half years, and um, and he is. He hasn't done anything wrong ever. So. You know what I, I, my, you know, it's funny. My mom, they're sitting there watching media day. And she's like, he's so freaking cute. And I said, oh, Jesus. Um, he's cute on top of all this. He is, uh, he's an attractive he man. There, there's there's ma- male crushes out there, as my boy Fitzy likes to say. He's my man crush. But Dude, my girlfriend knows. Not my man crush. Fitzy's man crush. Yeah. No, I'm telling you. Alicia, Alicia says it to me all the time. Tom Brady says, let's go. You'd be like, do you want me on my knees or what? Oh, <laughs> okay. This, uh, this, this, uh, yeah, this one went a little, that's a little hairy balls deflate, deflated there. Anyways. Um, but, but so, you know what, though? I'll tell you this, Kevin. She's probably right. <laughs> uh, so let's get back to the game here, George. Um, <laughs> Tom. On field performance yesterday. Give me. I, I want to hear your thoughts on the on on that whole uh, operation. I, I go like uh, I I I rate them over three over three parts of the game. I think the first half was a, a solid B plus. I think the third quarter was a definite F, and I thought the fourth quarter was an A plus. So you know, with my grade school well, education, he was that I have. was he eight for eight. On the fourth quarter, or on the last drive, last drive, right? Last drive is different. Yeah, so yeah. I, I look at it definitely for me. The fourth quarter was what made him the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, and, you know, I think you have in, to give him an F in the third quarter because he was terrible. Yeah, well, in the first, you know, I bet you half the fan, half the real Patriots fans had a flashback when Julian broke open when he stopped on a dime on the end on the end zone line and yeah. wide and, open and, and Tom overthrows him just like he did 
despite Giselle's defense, he overthrew Wes Welker in 2012. And um, Dion, too. You know, Welker yeah, gets so, killed for that, but let's not forget Dion dropped it. Yeah. Uh, well, he, you know, when I look at the, last night's game, I thought, you know, it, it was it was a bit ugly on both sides. And, yeah. you know, Tom Brady throwing a pick from, like, eight yards out is, like, really a high school kid wouldn't make that mistake. That's where that got ugly to me. I'm like, you cannot make a mistake like that. And everything prior yeah. to that, you know, that was the second drive, I think. Everything was precision. So I think that that game, in a nutshell, you know, was an indicator of what Brady's career has been like, and it's been Belichick. So Brady, uh, famously Rodney Harrison, said that he texted him before the game and said, you know, confident, going to have the greatest game of my life. Of course he didn't, but he was confident in the schemes that Belichick set him up for. So Brady's a plug-and-play. He executes effectively. Uh, we've seen, yeah. I'd say, the last five-plus years that Brady isn't, doesn't execute perfectly. Most quarterbacks don't. Uh, most athletes don't. But he wins, so Brady wins. There's a handful of athletes that just find a way to win. Jordan. And that's what uh, last night was. Yeah, Flutie. And Brett he just Jr. found a way to win. And um, so you got you got to tip your cap to that, it wasn't done perfectly, but you know what? The Seahawks certainly didn't play perfectly either, whether it was the coaching decisions or the performance on the field. Um, I could tell you, man, that was just like a stressful game that had my innards tied in knots, and uh, I'm glad the right team, the good the good guys won. <laughs> it's like I had said to Sochi, I said to him, I said, you know, I lost about five years of my life last night. And he goes, well, I hope the, the Yang got you, you know, the back. I said, no, it was your, your call got me there. <laughs> got me yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, um, so it, the, good, the good thing is uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, around here we feel like there's some sort of equilibrium where the planets align effectively that, you know, things aren't going to tailspin out of. Uh, I mean, we've got to keep this going. This place, this place called New England is going to implode if we go – you know, any matter of two or three years without a championship, we can't we can't have that anymore. Like, I mean, we will have yeah. riots in the street if uh, you know. So we have to keep this uh, this level of uh, you know title town runs going. You know, I said this to Bob, and I want to see what you think. Like, I I've said this a few times tonight, so I want to hear your opinion on this. As a Yankee fan, I now or slowly coming to the dark side, as you like to say. Uh, seeing how the Yankees were with the Red Sox and seeing, like, you know, not knowing how you guys felt from afar with, you know, with Fisk's home run and then losing the next day and then Buckner and 03 and then 04. Last night, to me, if I was, you know, a Red Sox fan, would have been being down, like, being down 10 points was being down 03 of the Yankees. And, you know, then tying it up, like, Harry Butler's interception was the bloody sock. Yeah. You know, uh, one of my friends posted out on Facebook. We're all, a lot of us are on Facebook here. One of my friends, diehard Celtics fan, and he posted out how um, 
the Patriots fans should be able to sympathize or the, the Boston fans should be able to sympathize, empathize with these Seattle Seahawks fans and how they're feeling now. Of course we could because in 2008 we lost similarly on David Tyree's catch and this and that, but he played it out as, you know, as though the decision like Grady little in 2003, leaving Pedro in, in order to be the hero did Pete Carroll think about whether he wanted to have Russell Wilson be the hero versus uh, Marshawn Lynch. I don't think that played into it, but regardless, the Seattle Seahawks. You know, Kev, probably feels You know what? I, I, I look at it the same way because, you know what, I, I, this is the way I look at it. He knows that Marshawn Lynch isn't going to be there next year. He knows Russell Wilson is. That's It's possible, and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of speculate. We'll never hear we will never hear that. Uh, Pete Carroll is too much of a professional. It's, it's stuff like that doesn't slip out. Um, what I found interesting, and I want to get back to, you know, if you don't mind, I know I told you I, we would talk for two minutes. <laughs> but you and, I can't, you and I can't do that. Um, you know, how, how much did you talk about your deflate gate on your show in the last two weeks? None. Because I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. None. You, know, None. I've, I've you just so blew over it. Work. No, you know what it is? It's been, I've been so busy with work. I really haven't had like the steady stream of shows like I used to do. Right. Right. So, well, I'm, None. I'm hey. pleased to be a part of your sixth anniversary, uh, version here. What I, what I would hope. And, uh, you know, I think some of this stuff's going to play out in the coming days, weeks, what have you. But um, give me your overall thoughts on the whole th- on the on the big picture part of it. I don't really care about like the nuances of atmosphere versus you know, you know. What's the I big picture getting... part? Robert Kraft asking for an apology, essentially from Roger Goodell the other day. Uh, Roger Goodell's response, things will come out in the report, as in he's going to leave it at that. And the integrity uh, and honesty of our Patriots management, including Brady. Give me your overall perspective, please. I think it's sour grapes. You think I it's don't what? think we did anything wrong. I don't think it's, I think it's sour grapes. I don't think we did anything wrong. Yeah, I my guess is that, you know, a few years back, like, you know, the Patriots and Tom Brady decided they, they like their footballs inflated to 12.5, as Tom said last week. Yeah. Uh, the ball boys know this stuff. Maybe, maybe there's an effect on, uh, you know, weather conditions or, or whatnot. But apparently, you know, SI puts out an article and a couple of sources in the last two days said there was one ball significantly under pressure. And the others were, you know, slightly under why, this, that, and the other thing. Why do I have a, these are why do well, I these are probably all advantages. Ball. Well, here's the thing: where are the referees in this whole conversation? And one, one of my biggest pet peeves, both as a former amateur athlete, uh, having played sports, you know, most of my life, and as a fan, what? And I should almost ask this rhetorically to you and your audience. But what's one of your biggest pet peeves? It's when the referees affect the outcome of the game, either on an arbitrary decision that they've put themselves into or on their failed incompetence. And they're not held accountable. You're not allowed to yell at a referee. You're not allowed to – they don't lose anything. 
you know, you don't lose a draft pick as a referee. You don't lose an income. They're always backed up. Every league, no matter what the level is, always backs up referees and umpires as if they're 100% accurate. It's almost like when you're a child it's almost and, like and, and you ask the question to the parent and the parent says, because I told you so. So where are the referees in this entire conversation? Because I bet you that the, I, that the refs over the last several decades just simply squeeze the balls and walk away. And that's it. You know, you know, it's and that could have been answered in the first 24 hours. You know, it's funny because I used to work at, uh, as a high school like you know, assistant athletic director, so I was like the equipment manager. I had and did you ever address never... inflation of, uh, uh, you know, did no. you ever measure? What, you ever watch you, the high you probably pumped the balls the up till they do. felt good. <laughs> yeah. And then you know what I let the referees do? First guy of the year, he sat there, that's a little tight, puts, you know, puts the pin and takes the air out. Thus, bounces it, all right, it bounces fine, let's go. So, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. I guarantee you there's been decades worth of uh, football, um, you know, management. If you, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, you know, they, they talk about, like, you know, some guys like the football a little bit scruffed up. Some guys like it. I think Aaron Rodgers said he likes it overinflated. Why aren't we inspecting – the Green Bay Packers system retroactively. I hope that I, I hope that we're inspecting 31 teams this last two weeks. I don't know how they would do that, but they should be in their locker rooms checking their footballs, checking their video cameras, because every team probably has some kind of alt- alteration, if you want to call it that, versus the you know coming off the assembly line at uh, Wilson, you know Sporting Goods. It's got you know. Every team has been slightly altering their footballs without thinking about it. I don't think anyone's thought about it in, in any major way to take some major advantage. And, and this, yeah, is, this, this is a witch hunt. All right, I think so. We might as well just have this whole thing play out in Salem. Let me throw this <laughs> one ball was two pounds underinflated. Two PSI. Help. Two, what, yeah. what stops me? Because we all know Jim Mercy is a kook and he hates the Patriots because he can't ever beat them. What stops the the, the the Colts from sitting there and sticking a pin in the ball and going, "Well, look, feel this ball." Right, right. Yeah, and it, you know that that's possible too. That 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 because apparently that football was handed to a Colts equipment manager before handed to the ref. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. But to sit there and call into question. You know, the integrity of Robert Kraft, the integrity of Bill Belichick. I'm tired of it. Like Bob said, and this is one reason why I brought it up, I loved his perspective of, you know, the Spurs being the other winningest team in sports, and everybody has the utmost respect for Tim Duncan. I certainly do, and I say that a little facetiously, because I'm wondering what what is the rest of this world watching? Like my cousin and I, my cousin chimes in, and you gotta like you, you gotta excuse some of these people a little bit. They they're not fed all the media um, that that we get. But I mean, I've been watching Tom Brady actively for 15 years. I'm besides the Bridget Moynihan uh, slip away over to Giselle. I'm still waiting to see anything questionable the guy's ever done. 
But you know, you know what, even with that, relationships break up. Yeah, exactly. We don't know what goes beyond closed doors. She might have been like a, a dud, like no personality, like, you know, chick on a couch and, and whatever, and Giselle's out there traveling around the world. Who knows? Uh, separate issue, you know? I mean, on the field and in the public, Tom has Tom always says the right thing. He's always gracious. And you wonder, who are what are these people, you know, watching? What are they consuming? Or is it simply come down to insecure envy that their football team bores them because the Patriots continue to win, much like we all hated the Yankees for, you know, the last several decades. Um, well, now you know how Yankee fans feel. Now well, you know exactly. I mean, this, you know, this, is, this is what Patriots fans have known uh, for the last decade, but I still I wonder why and how. Like, what are these people watching? How are they not consuming? Like, when I watch Richard Sherman talk and yap and this and that and the other thing, I don't personally dislike the guy because I know he's playing a character. He is literally playing a character in order to get into other people's heads. It's smart, you know, and if he's got a, a colorful uh, a colorful character, then he's marketable too. Now, when I watch Bill Belichick as a Patriots fan and Bill Belichick holds his cards tightly and he snaps back at reporters – it's not his job to bake these reporters cookies and feed them milk or, or release any information. He is playing a character. The players will tell you, tell you forever that the guy is, like, super funny. And he's easygoing. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that he's talking about around the Super Bowl, he's like, I wish my father was here. I know my mother's at home. Like, but the rest of the country wants to hate this guy. Folks, wake up. He is doing his job. He's playing a character. He's not supposed to release any information to the other side, right? Anyways, I think it makes it fun. I wish the rest of the country could uh, embrace and appreciate these these patriots because they are a true gem for American sports world. And if it just comes down to us against the world, I'm glad I'm on the us side, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's funny. Like, I walked into work last night, too, but you guys got lucky. Yeah, because the Giants didn't get lucky twice. Yeah, yeah lucky. As, 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 if, as if the Seahawks wouldn't have been lucky. Night. Yeah, I mean, Curse catches the ball that the the, uh, the D-back could have just kicked. I mean, that you know, yeah. driving to work this morning, yes, I drove to work in, like, eight inches worth of snow. I got to get the shirts yeah. out, you know. Um, yeah. Guy could have just kicked it. Game over. You know, like... See, that, that was yeah. anyone's game, and that's part of, you know, like like Bob signed off to, you know, you, know, you win some, you lose some, and some days it rains or snows in this case here. But, uh, well, so what's next for you, George? You got six years under your belt. You got a, a finished football season. What's next for the Brew Show? Oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's I can't wait for next year. It's like I can't wait for football season. It's I've gotten to the point now where my entire my entire sports life revolves around an annoying. No, location. not as much baseball right now, because you know you baseball know is like four weeks away. Yeah, I know. I, like I remember, I think I tweeted like right after the baseball season ended. I said, "Oh, here comes the tweets for pitchers and catchers." Like I, yeah. I'm not consumed with baseball that much because you know what? To me, I've gotten to the point where baseball bores the living shit out of me. It's 162 games, then it's another 20, like, 
25 spring training games. It's another like 16, you know, playoff games potentially. It is a lot. And I think that's the other major attraction to the sport of football. It's once yeah. a week, 22 weeks a year. Uh, and it's, it's easier to consume. Uh, I've said it for a long time, especially in, in my line of work, my biz. Uh, which we might as well spend a, a moment talking about the new products on superfans.com. And, of course, that's I was, super. I was getting ready for the, the – With uh, an H. The, the, the I just put – I figured I'd put a segue in because uh, the, it's the playoff season that a lot of creativity comes around for our creative products. And, you know, your listeners that don't know my my brand of uh, sports apparel, I hope I uh, get a chuckle out of some of the designs or well up with pride – uh, on some of the designs and wear them for uh, for years. Um, I, I feel like my job is to make your lucky T-shirt. So, um, why don't you tell us what what your what your uh, what was your last purchase? Did you buy you bought a um? Jeez, I can't say what my last purchase was. <laughs> if you can remember, I, I forget what the last thing I bought. Wasn't it was up there? I know we had to we had to squeeze between a two or a three X on a yeah that was, was a the title three X's for a while. No, I yeah. haven't done the title town one yet. I do up to I do up to some five X's when it's a busy market. So it's been a busy market. So you big guys out there bigger than George. Um trying to but be yeah, I just George, so. I loaded up two or three new products, including an officially licensed NFL uh Patriots championship T shirt, because of course everybody has to have like the hat or T shirt. You got to have it as a collector's item, official from the NFL. Then I got my creative Title Town T-shirt. Uh, I think you you have my son's a Belichick design, right? I have the old one. I don't have the new one yet. <clears throat> yeah, well, the new one I've had out uh, this this past football season, and uh, it's got three rings on his on the skeleton's bony. Uh, it's a biker shirt, so uh, any of the listeners can imagine. Uh, <laughs> It's Coach that Belichick. TV show that skeleton. broke my heart that went off the air. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so he's got three rings on his on his skeleton hand, and now we I'm pleased we get to put a fourth ring on on uh, Bill's hand and the T-shirt. I got him holding a a mock-up of a trophy. It's pretty cool little uh, updated design with silver ink, like the silver trophy on the back too. So uh, you might have to collect both of them there, George. I think um, I have to. Can I, can I just make my order now and then, you know, we'll just call it a day? <laughs> yep, um, yep. You know, I, I, I did like it when I saw it, and I was like, oh, shit, here you go, Kevin. Because um, I do like the new one, and I, I think it's like one of those things where it's you get to the point where it's like the NFL stuff is cool. You know, and I think you're yeah, you have to Red have Red that. Like I was rocking my my Patriots knit beanie hat all day yesterday and all day at work today. I got the Patriots mock turtleneck, but yeah, I think um, what what we're going for is a, a statement of a little bit more. Whether it's you know, yeah. in my market of creative design, I get to poke fun at things like Deflate Gate. So another product I, I'm I'm been kicking around uh since last week um i don't i don't like our products to be like the flavor of the week but this one's kind of irresistible it's a it's a seinfeld mashup that says squeeze these and it's got two footballs on it above the breasts male breasts mm-hmm. so you're you're familiar with those um yeah, yeah down yeah, below it says once in a while <laughs> I get to play with them, yeah. 
they're real and they're spectacular. And I posted that last week. I was I, I designed it for one of the Boston sports bars, and uh, the uh, the feedback on Facebook when we posted it was uh, was pretty was pretty big. So we come out with silly stuff like that or. Uh, something else I want to talk about is the marathon. Um, it's another market that I've tapped into. Most of my, you know, creative competitors don't really have a foot in that market. You know, my store, my old store was right on Com Ave, like half a mile from the finish line. It was great. It's my favorite day every year. So we've had mm-hmm. some creative fun marathon stuff like uh like we used to do celtics beat la and bruins beat the habs t-shirts so i did a marathon beat kenya t-shirt and it's just like these obscure things that are just fun like that well the new thing is uh one of those photographs that uh posted out online last week with the with the bartender shoveling the finish line i'm, I'm sure you saw that george i'm sure you're yeah, yeah. which so was one of my favorite did. pictures yeah, I mean, that that picture and that action uh, by the bartender shoveling the snow just speaks so much to the heart and soul of our Boston community. And the guy, uh, two of the guys that took the took photos, two separate photos, and they're both Facebook friends with our company. So I reached out to one, and I'm going to put that product out. Uh, I'm, I'm working on, like, we're doing, like, a license deal with his copyright uh, photograph. It's his photograph. And we're going to put out like postcards and greeting cards and <coughs> excuse me, like framed prints just because I know there's going to be a ton of tourists coming through Boston in the spring and summer. And that photo speaks volumes for decades to come. You know, this is what it means to be a Bostonian. Like we take care of our own. Uh, and then if you think about what happened there the year before, um, yeah. And, you know, everyone rose up with the Boston Strong experience and, you know, that just sort of perpetuates that concept that, you know, even a snowstorm is not going to stop us from being mindful about our community. And the Boston Marathon, people don't know uh, the history behind the Boston Athletic Association, but it was a predecessor to the Olympics. So the the modern Olympics, of course, the original Olympics went back to Greece a couple thousand years back. But the modern Olympics started in 1896, uh, spun off of inspiration from the Boston Athletic Association, which used to do football teams, hockey, uh, baseball teams, crew, sailing, running, fencing, all that whole works. There's a ton of history on that stuff that people don't know. Did you, George? Did you know that? I've never... I never knew that. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff. Uh, So, anyways, I hope you and your listeners will always count on super fans. I can tell you, uh, having uh, made some maneuvers last year, our our Fenway store closed because the neighborhood is gentrifying and turning into condos. Uh, I'll tell you that became, you know, doing what we do, Retail is difficult, so I uh, appreciate all of my customers deeply. Uh, I can't do this creative work without them uh, supporting us. So supporting us online is, is always appreciated. And then I hopefully got some cool initiatives like that Marathon One or uh, some special products for Massachusetts is another thing we're pushing. Um, so please, any of your listeners, stay in touch, superfans.com. Keep listening to the Brew Show, George Brew. You're gonna come up and visit, and maybe yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna be up 
I got to come up probably by the end of February because I got to go shopping at um, one Patriot place. That's down the street for me. I'm back out in the burbs, back where I started the business. So I'm sort of stepping back into the core, uh, back where I used to coach baseball in the little sleepy town of Medfield, um, home of Peter Hurricane Peter McNeely. <laughs> Sad to I've say, heard that right? name way. You know what's funny? I've heard that <laughs> name way too much in the last like week. Yeah, really, that's funny. He's a sweetheart. I've never seen him around, but there's a woman that's got a fashion show, and some uh, she does like a, like a little TV vlog, kind of like your podcast, and she interviewed him last year. And it was just, it was nice to hear him. He seemed like he's doing all right. I've never seen the guy around. But uh, for those of you, especially the younger listeners that don't know, when Mike Tyson got out of uh, prison back in, what was it, like 1990 or 91? 96. Um, yeah, no, I think he gave that one the second time around. What did he say? Is that what it was? Yeah, so, well, they they signed up. I'm going to kick Mike Tyson's ass. I remember that. Yeah, and they, so for the listeners, like, Peter McNeely was just, like, one of those guys that just boosted his little career mark to be, like, what was he, like, 22 and 4 or something like that. He was just, you know, they threw $700,000 at him that he snorted up his nose with Coke. Um, and he did the Domino's commercial with the pizza commercial where he snapped back and it just, you know, he just, he ran with it. Um, yeah. anyway, so that's, other than that, uh, little sleepy town of Medfield, you have to visit or we'll meet up. I definitely want to get over to Gillette stadium, especially Patriots place, uh, hall of fame, which I've yeah. never been to. I've been so busy, but now that I'm so close again, I might, uh, might get over there. So let's make you know, that a track. I'm really thinking, like, I'm hoping that they put, like, all the stuff from, like, I'm going to wait until all the stuff from the game's in there. Yeah. So, like, yeah. That'll probably happen this time. month, don't you think? It should happen this month. Anyways, George, our two minutes has turned into uh, almost two hours. I appreciate the extra time. I know it's incredibly you valuable, and your, your other sponsors need to get in on here, too. But, you know, we got speaking you know, of sponsors. We got to do. A, I got to do an update of uh, of that commercial. That commercial was for a TV show. I think the show's still on Nessun, probably, but that was like five or six years ago. Oh, you know, you get it done. We'll we'll, we'll keep airing it because you are truly one of the good guys. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that very much. And plus, there's no other way to end the sixth anniversary show than with you. Uh, you're, you're, you're too kind. Uh, well, I've really enjoyed you allowing me to hog the conversation. Um, right. we'll have to do this again, buddy. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll definitely let you know when I'm heading up there and then, uh, we'll have some fun up there. Okay. I have a feeling your podcast is going to go viral now that Bob and I were on. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Enjoy your championship. And uh, maybe I'll see you online for some of the new designs. Them four, man. I definitely will. Later, George. Bye. Later, Kev. So now with that, uh, our good buddy, thank you, Kevin Kruger, head coach at superfans.com. No better way. And six years of this show. I, I can't believe it. I thank everybody that's helped us get to this point. Because it's definitely been 
a labor of love, and, and, and I love doing it. And I miss doing it. Um, you know, last year we kind of got a little heavy with doing a hockey show with Howie. But I will say this. Me and Howie talked about it. Starting next Friday night, the hockey show is back full time. So for everybody that's been entranced with making my dream a reality of having my own sports talk radio show, the fact that this is six years running, and I feel bad that I haven't been here. Um, as much recently. I thank you guys for staying with us and sticking with us. And uh, me and Howie will be back next Friday night. We'll start doing this show more often. I thank everybody. Thank uh, our good friends, super fans, and compete every day. Headblade, everybody, Bald Mini, who's ever sponsored this show. We leave you now with some of our favorite drops from people who have been on the show. Hi, this is Bob Sosie, the voice of the Patriots, and you're listening to the What's Ruined Sports Radio Network. Hi, folks. I've just spent a delightful time chatting with George Brew on his What's Brewing show. Boy, this guy asks great questions. He's fun to talk to. Just wonderful to listen to him and to hear what he has to say. And you'll enjoy it, too. So make sure to listen to What's Brewing with George Brew. You'll find that it's a time of your life. Hi, this is Chuck Knobloch. All you out there listen to What's Brewing, the best damn show on the Internet. Check it out. Hi, this is David Cornwell, and you're listening to What's Brewing on Blog Talk Radio. This is Jack Curry of the Yes Network, and you're listening to What's Brewing. Hi, this is Matt Barnaby, and you're listening to What's Brewing. Scotty, no more autographs, please. Uh, Hi, this is Scott Brocious, uh, 98 World Series MVP, and you're listening to What's Brewing. Hi, this is Trini Kuznarek, and you're listening to What's Brewing. Good night, everybody.